Hello and welcome to episode 127 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, strategies, and streamers for the casual spike. My name is Stanislav here in beautiful Dixon, Illinois, and with us on the line, a very special guest all the way from Texas, USA, it's Everett Mohan, aka The Aspiring Spike. Welcome back to me, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, welcome back to you. I, I've already welcomed myself. <laughs> well, you're always welcome here. It, you know, the dive down is a place where everyone knows your name, and so we're all <laughs> and and we're really we glad all know how to pronounce it. Yeah, and we're really glad you came. I'm glad to be here. It's good to get uh, my thoughts out about the new set. I think. Yeah, we love being the the uh, pod of record. I guess for you to tell people in your stream chat to leave you alone when they're asking you about the is it a freet. Go go listen to the dive down if you want to hear whatever it has to say about the is it coin flipping a freet. Just it's really 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 good if you win your flips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you win, the, if you win the flip, exactly. Hey, that's a bonus one in this episode. You're going to get a whole lot more takes just like that from Everett. It's really good when it's good coming coming right now. You can subscribe for five dollars and then yeah. get great takes like that at my Twitch channel. <laughs> Subscriptions are free. The the takes the takes are mm-hmm. the expensive part. All right, y'all. You can hear Dave, the Godfather. Shane, however, the one and only Shane Beeps. He's out this week. He is flying a plane. Uh, they needed a pilot, and Shane volunteered. Who knew that his experience as a Tron pilot would also qualify him to <laughs> pilot a 747? I had no idea they were so close to the same thing. Well, when you're piloting, you got to push, you know, take off, fly, then land. And it's right. very similar to Urza's <laughs> Mine, Urza's Power Plant, Urza's Tower. That's right. I think Everett's been taking improv classes. He picked up what I put down pretty quick there. I like it. On this week's episode, we are starting the first part of our Modern Horizons 2 set review. We are going through basically every single card in the set or at least the first half, or at the very least, the ones worth talking about. We are going to skip over a lot that look like they might be limited fodder or maybe her uh, commander plants, but we're going to do our best to talk about potential modern constructed playables. We will re- probably read the card get- card name and then say pass, so you know that we are not interested in that card, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, we'll keep it brief because we got a lot of cards to get through, not a lot of time. Yeah, no breakdown this week. It's just cards, baby. But first, let's housekeep. Shout out to the newest patrons to join the Dive Down Nation. Francisco, a.k.a. Angwar the First, and Colin I. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining the Dive Down Nation. That's right. And I want to give a really special shout out to Francisco, a.k.a. Angwar, because Everett, Francisco here, top aided the Mana Traders tournament today in Modern and was the first seed on Breach. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. that's been doing uh, really well lately. Yeah. He just joined this week, popped into the chat, said, hey, I'm pretty new to modern. I'm gonna do, I'm doing this Mana Traders thing. And then uh, <laughs> he live tweeted it in our, Slack, in our Slack channel about how he was new to modern while the rest of us are like, we've been playing modern for years and we can't even queue for the, <laughs> queue for the Swiss. That's <laughs> but, super exciting. But, but you go, Francisco. Unfortunately, he lost in the in the first round, I think, to uh, Sam Roll to Phil Helmuth on Blue Ride Prowess. Um, you know, great player, hell of a player that Phil guy. Exactly. If you'd like to support the show, if you're going to top eight a, a modern tournament and you want to, you know, pick our brains before you do, you can jump over into our Patreon. Find that at Patreon.com/slash The Dive Down. Supporting us at any tier gets you into the Slack. And that's where you can be famous for a small but loyal community 
of fellow casual spikes from all over the world. And then, of course, if you want to support us without joining our Patreon, you can go to the aforementioned manatraders.com to uh, rent your magic online cards. Uh, you can put in code the dive down, all one word, 2021, all one word together right there, um, and get 15% off your first two months of your subscription, manatraders.com. We love it, and they have cool tournaments too. 2021, is that spelled out or is that the numbers? It's the numbers. It's the you numbers. Looked at me yes, blankly. It's the numbers. It was a good bit. Well, I don't know the difference between letters and numbers. <laughs> and also, you sounded like a robot for a minute. Yeah, there was <laughs> there. a little bit of a distortion. distortion. There. The fans won't hear it. Okay. Now, with all that out of the way, can we talk about cards? I think we're contractually obligated to. So let's get started with white. Yeah, we're going to go in numerical order by set number, starting with card number one of 303. It's Abiding Grace, Tuna White, for an enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, choose one, you gain one life, or return target creature with mana value one from your graveyard to the battlefield. Okay. Stan, you have anything to say about this one? I don't think it's more powerful than Lewis. Luris. Or Lewis, for that matter. <laughs> yeah. For a three mana enchantment permanent that gets cards out of your graveyard to the battlefield, I would rather play Luris. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I mean, not better than Luris is still maybe good since Luris is possibly the best card in modern. Uh, I do think that people might play try to play this card with Martyr of Sands. And it, it does feel like this card is more powerful than Proclamation of Rebirth, but this card I think is still nowhere near strong enough to re-enable the Martyr of Sands Soul Sisters archetype. All right. Well, I think that Arcbound Mouser, Break Ties, Constable of the Realm are all passes. Does anybody have any objections to us skipping those three cards? Uh, no. Great. Pass. All right. Then the first card that I think we're really going to spend some time talking about is Esper Sentinel. And Esper Sentinel costs a white. It's an artifact creature, human soldier. It's a 1-1. And it says, whenever an opponent casts their first non-creature spell each turn, draw a card unless that player's pays x where x is esper sentinel's power so usually that x is going to be one there's going to be occasions where it's not i think this card's really sweet i think a lot of people are really excited about this card i think the hardest part for me is trying to figure out exactly what deck this card is going to be the best in my mind kind of goes to taxes to start but um i don't know what do you all think about this card i think this card's great um uh it's a human notably so i think this card can be played in humans uh, I'm going to be looking to play this card in Stoneblade decks. Uh, I, I think this card is is just a a good creature to put in play in modern. Um, you know, one ones for ones. Their biggest problem is that they they die to removal, but this card uh, taxes your opponent's removal, and it's also not a card that you're super happy to remove in the first place. And I'm I'm really excited about this card. I also think that if you're playing like a blue white X control deck, if you just bring this card in, it's going to do a lot of work and a lot of matchups post board and people can't kill it. Interesting because they will have taken out their removal. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's interesting. I was going to ask you as a follow up when you said great, like great in the sense of staple or great in the sense of really specialist player. And so to hear you say that this is a card that's just going to be good to put onto the battlefield in modern on its own, I think is really fascinating because that in my mind is like, Oh, this is a staple card potentially of the, of the modern environment at this time, because it's just a card you can play for value and it can go in lots of different places. Yeah. That that's, that's what I'll say. I'd say it's, if it's not a staple, at least I think we'll be close to being one. Yeah. 
that's awesome because it's definitely a card that I'd be excited to to play a lot. Stan, what do you think about here? You've you've spent a lot of time playing taxes, for example. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Actually, that it could be a powerful tool and role player in a lot of different decks. Taxes is one. I think maybe we're seeing a lot of technology that we'll talk about today for potential hardened scales decks. And if those can get into white and start producing white mana, I think this is a cool effect there because it'll scale really nicely as it maybe gets 1-1 counters from modular effects or the Ozolith. This is one to keep an eye on. I love it. Okay, just leave it. All right, the next couple of cards, Glorious Enforcer, Landscaper, Kolos, Late to Dinner, and Out of Time. Are those passes or does anybody have anything they want to say about any of those? Those are all passes for me. I think they're all passes for me as well. Stan? Sure. Okay. So that I don't know. You- Actually, okay, no. Out of time. Let's talk about out of time briefly. Sure. Sure. One white white enchantment. It's a three-man enchantment. When out of time enters the battlefield, untap all creatures. Then phase them out until out of time leaves the battlefield. Put a time counter on out of time for each creature phased out this way, and it has vanishing so that at the beginning of your upkeep, remove a time counter from this enchantment. When the last is removed, sacrifice it. I just think this is a very unique effect that it, is going to yeah. have potential utility uh, against certain matchups where a wrath isn't quite what you're looking for. So like against something like Dredge, I think this is kind of neat. And I also feel like there's potential room to like loop it and, and actually break it. Because yeah, if, you have, a, if you have Sun Titan, it you know it's always going to get all the creatures just come back and snatch them back up. But I, I also have a hard time seeing myself wanting to play this card over supreme verdict or damn potentially to maybe get a bit ahead of ourselves and you know maybe in certain metagames if there are a lot of go wide strategies and three mana really really matters compared to four mana uh, i could see it making the cut but uh, at the time of making this comment i don't feel like it really fits in anywhere yeah i I think it'll need to be broken by something that Mm -hmm. kind of is able to re-trigger it repeatedly to be a a potential role player but because it's a unique effect and a powerful one of three mana, I wanted to talk about. I think that's fair. All right, the next card on the list then is Prismatic Ending. Prismatic Ending is an is X generic and a white for a sorcery that has Converge, and it says exile target non-land permanent if its mana value is less than or equal to the number of colors of mana spent to cast this spell. I gave this card a pass. Everett said this card goes into main deck two to three and all blue-white control deck, so I'm thinking that I am very wrong. <laughs> about what I put for this. So I, I gave it another read and I get, I mean, I do think it's interesting on the second time that I paid attention to this. So basically this is in many decks, this is going to be a two mana, get rid of any two mana permanent. And then in some, it's going to be three. So pretty powerful card in, when you look at it through that lens, I guess, I guess the thing that surprised me most was that um, sorcery that, you know, was, that it was okay as a sorcery and not just as an instant. What do you, uh, what do you I, think? Well, I believe that Sam Black uh, commented that they tested it, this card at instant and that mm. it was the best removal spell of all time at instant speed <laughs> is was, I believe, what he said. Okay. And I, I think I agree with him. Um, this card answers a ton of things in modern that are a super big pain for decks to answer. It answers Aether Vial, Amulet of Vigor, Chalice of the Void, Expedition Map. Um, Red and Six to Fairy Time Raveler. Uh, it, it answers all of these. Oh, it's a Fairy Time Raveler, three mana for three mana is not so bad, but 
and getting that off the field in your control deck is a big deal. But Huge. it answers those it answers those other cards super efficiently. It answers Arbor Elf. It answers Utopia Sprawl, which is something that your other removal just can't deal with. Uh, I, I think this card is great in control decks um, and potentially good in other decks as well. But it, it, there's just a ton of cheap permanents that are a pain, and this card deals with all of them for one mana, or for a lot of them for one mana. Yeah, I will admit. I didn't realize it's all permanents. I just assumed it was creatures. Yeah, it's yeah. It would it wouldn't be good if it was just creatures, but honestly, like just getting expedition map just feels huge to me. And mm-hmm. you know, vile, it's all of that stuff, of course. Yeah, and the big thing, of course, is that a lot of times when you're on control against Tron, for example, or a deck that's using mm-hmm. expedition map, if you don't have like you're using force negation to get expedition map quite often because you don't often have like your one mana counters main like a spell pierce or something like that, and um having a way to deal with that when they run it out there is, is a huge deal in that uh, matchup. I think it's funny, you know, we often, when we have you on for, for spoilers, there's always one that it's just like you read the card and I, we didn't really <laughs> read the card. And we were just kind of like, yeah, that's, this isn't, this isn't it. And it's, uh, I'm feeling, I'm glad we got that out of the way early on this episode, I guess. Cause I, I'm totally that, changing that my mind the only about one, this. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I, we'll see. Do you think this is better than portable hole? So that's kind of an interesting question. Obviously, we don't have to necessarily figure it out yet um, because we don't get to play with portable hole. But one thing I've been thinking about is you can prismatic ending a portable hole too. <laughs> is uh, something I think may come up. Uh, I think you can. You maybe can also play... hole a portable hole. That's true. Yeah, which I really dislike that that works because in D and D, if you portable hole a portable hole, uh, there's a huge explosion. Oh, uh, so so I wish they had that line of text on the card. Uh, but I, I don't know. I think it's going to be kind of close. Um, it seems like Portable Hole is going to be a bit more fragile than you might think. Um, uh, I, I think that it may be more so metagame dependent, but I also think it's good when you have a ton of situational one-mana removal to choose from and try to figure out what's the best in the format. And that seems like what they're trying to do is have, you have Path, you have Alst, you have Prismatic Ending, you have Portable Hole, you have Omthanice, and you need to choose you know, two or maybe three, maybe one for any metagame and uh, build the best control deck possible instead of the past where it just felt like you put four path decks on your deck and you don't have, you're not supposed to think about it. And mm-hmm. uh, I like that there's now decisions to make. It's funny because it's sort of the opposite of what's happening with the counter magic suite, the counter <laughs> yeah. spell in some yeah, ways. That's, that's actually very true. All right. Why don't we go on to the next card? Because I think the next card is worth talking about for a minute too. And that is Sanctifier in Vec, which is white, white for a human cleric. It's a two, two protection from black and red. When Sanctifier in Vec enters the battlefield, exile all cards that are black or red from all graveyards. If a black or red permanent spell or card, not in the battlefield, be put in graveyard, exile it instead. So the key thing about that last paragraph is that it goes away. Even if you, mill it is that what they're trying to do there i think is that if you if you dredge it basically it still goes away with that selective clause yeah or maybe if you creeping chill it uh you wouldn't be able to stack the triggers to creeping chill instead of uh, have it be exiled so this card i mean i think it's pretty huge you know a card like uh Oriac champion because it has just because it has protection from black and red has already proven to to be you know worthwhile inclusion in a lot of decks just because of that and then this one has this kind of graveyard hate on top of it that is extremely good and extremely targeted at a number of different things but i i think the thing is that you read that and you go 
oh, it's only red and black cards. So that can't, that's kind of narrow, but it's actually really wide given that a lot of the decks that use the graveyard in that way are black and red decks or use black and red cards as their payoffs. Mm -hmm. So you get weird things like, you know, it hits up some of the, like if Luris black red prowess was still a deck, this would really hurt that deck because it would take a lot of the recursion targets away from Luris other than bauble. You know, this really affects dredge in a big way. It even kind of affects living end and things like that, where you, you lose some of your living end targets to this. I think we might be seeing it as a tool against some of the reanimator decks that sort of want to emerge after this set, mm -hmm. thanks to unmarked grave and persist. So I think this might have applications that we're not necessarily even aware of yet because those decks haven't emerged just yet. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've personally felt for a long time that white should have a rest in peace bear of some kind. Um, and I'm glad that it's finally getting one. You know, like humans has a hard time playing rest in peace because they play ancient ziggurat. Uh, and they mm -hmm. can't vial it in, but this card is a card that they can play. I think, you know, it's going to be true for a lot of creature decks. Uh, also true for uh, decks that aren't red and black that use their graveyard. They might look to this card as their graveyard hate of choice. And it's also really nice that you can also board it in against, you know, Jund or, or Shadow decks, and it's going to be very, very difficult for your opponent to deal with. Um, I would also recommend that uh, Dredge, since they're now playing white for thrilling discovery start playing uh some white cards that can answer this like instead half. of uh you know a, a lot of people by chat have been saying i'm a judge player how do i ever beat sanctifier in vec well you're already playing white you know you can play path to exile there there are a few cards that uh you should maybe be switching to to answer this card you can play portable hole yeah, yeah portable, portable yeah i'm sorry that your sideboard plan is more complicated than citing in nature's claim now <laughs> dredge players like you got to do some other stuff can we take I, I meant to do this sooner i just want to take a, a quick step back and Everett, while you're here mm -hmm. uh and, and because we get to pick your brain on a set that's very unique you know modern horizons it's designed to serve a very different purpose than standard sets are do you look at spoilers like this through a different lens than you would a new standard set well, I guess I have to look at it through a bigger lens because there's a lot more playable cards in the formats that I tend to play. You know, in standard sets, you know, you usually get a handful and sometimes you even get a lot. But in this set, it's it's so much more. But I, I also don't, you know, necessarily try to evaluate any individual card differently than I do for a, a regular set. Do you have different expectations for a Modern Horizon set than mm -hmm. a, a standard set? Yeah. Uh, I I would say so, um, especially because it you know standard is not standard sets aren't intended to impact modern necessarily. Uh, I, you know I have expectations that the new cards are going to be fun, interactive, replayable, and exciting. <laughs> and uh, you know I I and, and not and I hopefully not you know just break the format. And so far we haven't <laughs> seen the full set yet at the time of recording. But I have been blown away with how good this set is or how good it looks. Just mm -hmm. the cards look like they've been made with a lot of thought and care and love. And uh, I have spent the last two days uh, building deck lists and I'm just so excited. I've got like like 11 lists like hammered out that I really like. And then I've got like 10 more ideas I'm working on too. Wow. It's the deck. Is, it's just going to be a huge, huge, huge change to modern. And I think it's going to be a good one too. That's awesome. All right, we should come back to a little bit more on that, maybe if we have a couple of minutes at the, before we sign off at the end. Because uh, I'm always curious to hear what, you know, maybe like what has an up arrow next to it mm -hmm. and what has a down arrow next to it. Maybe we can throw out a few predictions between the three of us. But next few cards, 
Uh, one of them it, we just have in Spanish, I think. Uh, so rest in peace and pieces is what it's called on, on Scryfall <laughs> right now. I think we can skip that one. Sarah's emissary. I think we can skip Skyblade's boon. I think we can skip sound good to everybody. Yep. Yep. Sarah's emissary. It's a non-legendary evasive threat that comes down with protection from whatever cards you might be worried about with the exception of sweepers. I think it might be interesting with something like persist and unmarked grave. Maybe. Yeah. Or some kind of new gifts package or something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. But that brings us to solitude. Stan, you want to read solitude? I'd love to three white, white for a creature elemental incarnation. It's a three, two it's got flash. It's got lifelink and it's got when solitude enters the battlefield exile up to one other target creature. That creature's controller gains life equal to its power, and it has evoke, exile a what card from your hand. Okay, the most important thing about this is that Shane now owes me $5 because of what he said on the last show when he said that all of these evoke elemental incarnations were going to be exactly the cards that were in Mercadian Mask for some reason. He said it was going to be the same five cards as the Unmask cycle. He sounded so confident, too. I don't know why. I don't know why. But anyway, (laughs) that's the first thing. I get five bucks. Other than that, this card is just extremely good, right? Like, I there's, agree. There's yeah. almost no other way to say it. It's just an amazing card. Uh, I, I, absolutely, this card's really, really, really strong. I, I don't know that it's... I don't think that it goes in every white deck, or at least goes in the main deck of every white deck. Uh, you know, two for two for yourself to get a one-for-one one in modern is, like, a pretty big cost, and, mm-hmm. you know... Only Force of Negation really sees play in Modern at the moment. Even Force of Vigor, which is the only two for two, doesn't really see any play, and that may be like a metagame thing, but uh, you're, cer- it, it, you're certainly not just super excited to remove two cards to get rid of like your opponent's one drop when you could just spend one mana instead and not be down on cards. It's also very worth noting when we're evaluating cards like this, your, your removal in Modern is like, like it, it used to be against your you know, your aggro deck, you would just be able to easily outgrind them in the late game. But now, aggro decks have Luris, they have Expressive Iteration, they have Stormwing Entity, they get to play a million Horizon lands, and so they can outgrind you. And so that th- this comes with a really big cost there as well. You can spend five mana on it and actually get a two for one, but that's you know a lot slower. But if you're pairing this card with Ephemerate specifically, that's of course the big one. Uh, and it's it's especially the big one because this is the white elemental, you know, <laughs> all the all the other elementals, all the solitude, grief, uh, subtlety. The the other ones that aren't white, you know, they they come at a higher deck building restriction than solitude, and um, so that's something to think about too. And in, in your ephemerate decks, you're really going to be wanting to play solitude. I think this card also works really well with brought back. Is another card that I've been messing around with. All of the elementals do um, i didn't even consider that but we talked about that card during that mm-hmm. spoiler season but it's never found a home and these cards are like perfect yeah I, i've been messing around a lot with it lately and i i i've got a few lists that i've been working on that play solitude and brought back and i, I don't know if any of them are going to be good but i'm definitely going to try it yeah i mean it's interesting Th- this card the difference between this card and like grief that i think you should people need to keep in mind is like you can't really cast swords to plow shares proactively right mm-hmm. like you you need a target for it Right. And so to have it be good, your opponent has to have creatures. And when you play this card with Ephemerate as well, you kind of need to have lots of targets for it on the board. So it, it's interesting that it can go from being something that you do for to, to for a really important threat into something that becomes like a mini 
uh, like plague wind all of a sudden on your opponent's board where you're like, well, I'm just going to sort of plowshares you three times suddenly <laughs> right now. And, and that's just how it's going to be. So it is a little trickier to play this card than the others, but I, I do think that it's just the power level is so high. And especially because of ephemerate in the format, just a really good card. It, it bummed me out a little bit, really, because, uh, you know, Michael Rapp, who I, I like his content a lot about Death Shadow. I like to play Death Shadow. He was kind of like, this card just almost destroys Death Shadow on its own because it kills your shadow. One shadow, then it kills any other shadows you have. It makes Scourge worse. Like, there's all kinds of things that, that go on with that. So that's kind of a bummer to see from that perspective. But we'll see how widely this gets adopted before we say that the deck's like a goner. Yeah, I, I I think that that may be a bit of an exaggeration, especially, you know, like when LSV wrote his article about should Shadow be banned, it, one of his biggest points is that the cards that are good against Death Shadow just get discarded because they play so many discard spells. And and two for winning yourself against Shadow is rough because they are a deck that plays Inquisition Thoughtseize. And so, like, that definitely feels like a really, a really real thing where you can possibly just, you know, beat Solitude with discard spells. It's also true that, you know, you don't always have to play just Stubborn Denial as your counterspell. If you're a blue blaze Shadow deck, you can now play actual counterspell. You can now right. play Drown in the Lock and counter your opponent's Solitude and get some card advantage in the process. But either way, this card's good. It's going to see play. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it doesn't stay $75 or whatever the Mythics in this set are pre-releasing for right now, but um, we'll see. Cool. Anybody want to talk about Thraben Watcher? Do not. You guys want to talk about Timeless Dragon? I guess we talked about Timeless Dragon last week. Ever yeah. thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, thumbs down. Yeah. Uh, most I mean the card's super cool. It's really really sweet and flavorful, and would be, you know, maybe good in like the very beginning of modern, like 2012 <laughs> modern, uh, with cloud post. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean the card's uh, basically like wingmate rock, kind of in a way, yeah. right? You don't you don't get two at once, but. Yeah, I mean it's it's like an okay two for one, and you know maybe if you know counter spell is just like crazy and you have all these control mirrors like this is just like a two for one that doesn't counter spelled but it does get to fairy time ravelered really hard Oof. all right let's move on to blue yeah i think we're gonna pass on arrow amoeba mm-hmm. manatees are cool though dress down y'all y'all want to talk about dress down we can talk about it for a second just because i think it's a really strange card well i i think that it honestly became irrelevant today when they decided to print curse totem ah it's like if you're looking to uh play two minute card that shuts off a creature abilities I, I i don't i can never imagine playing this card over mm-hmm. curse totem it, it is kind of cool like you can flash this in in response to like a spike feeder or walking blister and they just die or it just kills death shadow and you draw a card and so like there, there's there's that aspect of it no sorry it doesn't kill death shadow it makes your death shadow a 13 13, 13. <laughs> it kill it kill it kills scourge i think it kills tarmogoyf too Maybe just Scourge. Makes Tarmogoyf an 0-1. Yeah, that's what makes Tarmogoyf Tarmogoyf an 0-1, kills Scourge. But it makes makes your Shadow a 13-13, so... I mean, maybe that's like some some tech. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's also a 2-banner, you know, cantrip with Luris, which is not nothing. But I I was way more interested in this card before they printed Cursed Totem. Uh, Maybe if you're a blue-black Shadow deck or something that's playing Luris, too... You'll play this instead of Curse Totem, but I'm not really uh, very interested in it. For those curious, Dress Down is one in a blue for an enchantment. Flash, when it enters the battlefield, draw a card. Creatures lose all abilities. And at the beginning of your, your end step, sacrifice Dress Down. Why do you guys think they added that last line of text? Would it just be too powerful if it stuck around? I mean, yeah. Like when you compare it to Curse Totem, 
Yeah. Which is a two man artifact that's going to be a very good cyborg card. You know, this that it doesn't cantrip itself. If you play it at sorcery speed, I think it'll be a, way too strong at uh, if it didn't sacrifice itself. And you get the fun aspect of being able to loop it with Loris. Mm-hmm. Filigree attendant. I think that's a pass. Yep. Fractured sanity, I think, is probably a pass. I mean, there's a it's a big mill card. It's not that expensive. It's it's blue, blue, blue for each opponent. Mills fourteen cards and has cycling. And then it says when you cycle fractured sanity, each opponent mills four cards. I'm not a mill expert, but I, I feel like the other cards are probably better. I I actually disagree. I think this card's gonna be very good in mill. Uh, but I also think that this card like gives mill like the density really gives the density for mill to be a really good deck and. Because of that, people can put a guy's blessing in their sideboard, and then mill will not be good. It's kind of what I see happening. Right. I, I'm I'm going to be putting a guy's blessing or the like in my sideboard for the foreseeable future, just to so we see what things are like. Yeah, I think this is an auto included mill. I do like that the the cycling ability lets you fix your mana a little bit. You know what I mean? Because you you still get a you still get a mill trigger, mm-hmm. but also sometimes you don't have the triple blue in that deck. And I think, unfortunately, we have a lot of blue cards that we don't want to talk about here. Is that yeah, right, that is Stan? unfortunate. <laughs> we got Ghostlit Drifter that I don't think is really enough to make it. We have Junk Winder, Loose Focus that loses out to Counterspell. We have Lucid Dreams. We have Mental Journey. We have Mystic Redaction, Phantasmal Dreadmaw, Rise and Shine. <laughs> that leaves us. All, those are all passes, I think. Right? Rise and Shine. Hold on. Rise and shine? Okay. One in a blue sorcery target non-creature artifact becomes a 0-0 zero, zero artifact creature. Put four 1-1 one, one counters on each artifact that became a creature this way. And then it's got overload for blue-blue. We now have, with the addition of those tapped artifact lands, we have a lot of copies of Darksteel Citadel. Mm-hmm. Indestructible 4-4s? Is that a thing? Well, I mean, How you many can indestructible still... four fours do you need to be good in modern? Twenty. A lot. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the indestructible four fours that you know get you really hard two for one if your opponent has you know it's a fairy time raveler, exile based removal. It's also two mana four fours that I guess I guess they're summoning sick effectively because I mean we can I guess play them for on turn three and attack with them. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I'm not really feeling the card, but. It, it, it is possible that maybe it's there. I mean, it is a bit like copies of what in, in soul artifact mm-hmm. five through eight, you know, which is like, if you really want to go with your, that deck that you love, Stan, I know you love in soul artifact, uh, come back around to it. You'll have redundant copies, which is, and maybe these are better than that, uh, creature that doesn't yeah, soul guy. Yeah. Three drop. If you have multiple, uh, uh what's the, the name of the card? The, yeah, Ozolith. the Ozolith. If you have like multiple copies of that, you could rising shine your Ozolith, I guess, and then move the counters over, and then your first Ozolith dies because it's a zero zero creature, then you can play your second one. But it doesn't seem like that good to do. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's something. There's like some synergy there if you're playing a blue green hardened scales deck. Yeah. Maybe I can hold out hope that this will be in a future historic anthology. Yeah, that kind of seems that seems more like the power level of the card. But we do have a card to talk about really quickly here. That's Rashad and Dockhand. Rashad deck hand is a blue for a one, two Island walk to Merfolk. And it has one generic tap, tap target land. So it does Rashad and ports ability. Merfolk? What's happening on this port? Why yeah. is this port denying people resources through history's magic? Uh, I mean, I think his, magic's history. They're pirates. I think they're, I they're maybe taxing you or maybe they're pirating you, but yeah. they're like, Hey, you have to pay to use the dock. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm very into the uh, plight of the longshoremen in Rashad and in Mercadia. So we should, <laughs> we should be sure to check the lore on that. I mean, this card seems like good enough to add a mana denial strategy to Merfolk or more of a mana denial strategy than it already has. And maybe that just gives it a new dimension or a, a lower to the ground disruptive dimension that it hasn't had, uh, that it has a little bit, but this makes it better. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this card will be really good at Merfolk. I, it's also like, I haven't heard very many people talk about this, but obviously you want to compare this card to Rashad Import. When you're, when you're porting someone, you're tapping two of your mana to deny your opponent one mana. Mm. With this, you're tapping one of your mana to deny your opponent one mana, which is a really different equation. That's a great I, point. I, I, yeah. I think, I think this card will be good in Merfolk. Probably not outside of Merfolk, but we'll see. Yeah, you don't think that there's a chance that this gets together with... with uh you know, uh, some other land disruption elements to just kind of like make a really low to the ground, not land destruction, but to land disruption deck. Maybe I've kind of messed around with the idea of like a just guy Imperial recruiter deck where you, and we have ephemerate, you get, a, you can get dock hands and you can also get avalanche riders. And then you're just like really denying your opponent a lot of mana with both of those. But I don't think it's quite there. Is this good enough to plan turn one instead of aether vial? Uh, well, no. Like, if you have Aether Vial and this, you'll just play the Vial and Vial it in, right? Well, you this comes out on turn two, which means it's not really online un, until turn three. And if you're on the draw, that feels like it's getting pretty slow. Probably depends on the matchup, but it's also true that, like, the Vial on any turn after turn one is usually not that strong either. Yeah. So, you probably, it's probably better to maximize your Vial than this card. Maybe this is a card that sometimes you look to side out if you're on the draw. Mm-hmm. Is something that you could think about too. Cool card though. Okay, next is um, a split card, said and done. I think it's a pass. Yep. Yeah, we've said it, now we're done. <laughs> Scuttle Tide. I love the design of this card. It, it will probably never see modern play, but I just love <laughs> each part of the buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> one in a blue enchantment, pay one, discard a card, create a 03 blue crab creature token. It has Delirium, where crabs you control get plus one, plus one, as long as there are four or more card types among cards in your graveyard. It's cheap. I love that it fuels the Delirium. It makes a ton of blockers. Well, I, I, think, I, I think it's a cute card that we'll never see play. Well, uh, you're wrong about that, because this is actually the only card from Modern Horizons 2 that's going to make my Sea Monster Tribal EDH deck. <laughs> hey, all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. There you go. I don't even think that's true, I'm sure. No, it, it it's going in, <laughs> but I'm not sure it's the only card from the set that I think I think it is. It. I don't maybe. There's still time for there to be a kraken or something That's here true. for yeah, you. Yeah. All right, then we have shattered ego, so shiny, and step through that I think are all passes. But step through has a really cool ability, wizard cycling. What? <laughs> so you can use this to get a snapcaster mage. So then you can snap this back on turn seven. <laughs> oh, amazing! Yeah, you can. It's pretty good. Whoa. All right. And you can return the Snapcaster with this. What? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you might want to just use Cryptic Command instead of this card, but I, I don't know. Yeah, probably. I'm not what? a pro. I didn't top eight any Mana Trader stuff. So, all right. Next card on the list is Subtlety. It's the next one in the Elemental Incarnation Evoke Cycle. Two colorless, two generic, blue, blue, I mean. Flash flying 3-3, three, three, so it's a 3-3 three, three flash flyer for four, which is decent rate, actually, just for a creature. When Subtlety enters the battlefield, choose up to one target creature spell or Planeswalker spell. Its owner puts it on the top or bottom of their library, and it has Evoke, Exile a Blue card from your hand. What do we think about this one? 
This one is a little harder for me to figure out like how I'm supposed to use this card. Although I have seen a couple of your deck lists on Twitter, uh, Everett. So I know you you're thinking about it in specific situations. It does seem really powerful, but as you said, two for wanting someone for basically a memory lapse or, you know, an aether gust in in a way for a creature spell is it's a different proposition than for stones, uh, sorts of plowshares. I agree. Uh, I like the card. I do think it's going to be playable. Uh, I don't think that this is a card you're going to see jammed in every blue deck or every blue control deck. I think that there are a few different conditions you're going to meet if you're playing an ephemerate controlling deck. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the Bant's ephemerate control deck on this channel, and I've got a you know an updated list that I'm pretty excited about that plays this card. And uh, I've I've been working on a a like a teamer deck that plays Charless Agent and plays Violent Outburst and four Crashing Footfalls. But no spells less than that, so you always hit Crashing Footfalls. So just the ability to have that zero mana interaction is huge mm-hmm. uh, because you're you know waiting until turn three to just put two Rhinos into play basically every time. And, and in that way, you catch up from the card disadvantage because you're doing something so above rate on turn three. So that's I think that's really going to be the key element with Subtlety is that you're going to need to be generating a lot of card advantage. And uh, this is going to be a really efficient way for you to capitalize on your card advantage for zero mana and also just casting this card for four mana when you get to do it is pretty good it's it's like close to cryptic command Mm -hmm. it's got flash as well Mm -hmm. which i think is great i I suppose it has to yeah i mean i i just i do think it's it's hard for me to imagine this going in like lots of blue decks but you have to have a plan to take advantage of it i think is the big takeaway with this Mm -hmm. particular one right so you know we said a similar thing about solitude maybe this one is even more you need to have a plan for it than solitude, but I, I kind of feel like it goes into any blue deck with Jace the Mind Sculpt. Uh, it maybe. makes it so much easier to tap out for Jace if you have this enforcing it. And well, maybe that's just level one, but then you well, have nothing to fear. But fear well, itself. That's the, well, that's the thing is uh, that's not entirely true because you can't cast Force of Negation when you cast the Jace. So if they just have Lightning Bolt up or if they have any counter spell, you're, you still get got without the ability to protect the Jace on your turn. Uh, Who's but, doing that? I mean, we know yeah. we know how to cast chases here. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, but you are right. If you have a force of negation and subtlety in your hand, you can cover anything on your opponent's turn, at least temporarily, which is pretty cool. Okay, this is a card. This next card, I feel like I'm the only person of the three of us who likes it. Suspend. It's a single blue instant exile target creature. Put two time counters on it. If it doesn't have suspend, it gains suspend. I'm not reading what suspend does. That's fine. I think everyone wait, knows what wait, does. You you just did. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it ever. What if we look up suspend in the dictionary? There's a picture of suspend in the dictionary, and then we have to look it up again. Um I, yeah, here's, I don't know, Stan. Go here's ahead. The thing. So I, I think it's both uh a tempo spell, but it's also I think uh a great spell to pair with Teferi Time Raveler. And I like that it kind of covers both of those grounds and maybe wants to be into fairy decks that are more tempo, like something with stone forges or something with spell quellers as opposed to just to fairy blue white control decks. But I don't think it's unplayable. Like I think this is at one mana, a removal spell for any creature I think is worth exploring. Well, I mean, so uh, yes, if you have to very time raveler in play when your opponent suspend creature comes down, this card is really good in those situations. But if you don't draw to Fairy Time Raveler, if your opponent answers to Fairy Time Raveler, if you have something that you need to do instead of cast to Fairy Time Raveler on the turn before your opponent's suspend spell comes down, this card is straight up bad. 
uh, just getting two for one in just any in any any situation like this, especially in your more controlling decks, this this is a really really poor effect for you, especially when you're trying to pair this card with Teferi Time Raveler. It's like kind of the obvious card to pair it with, which means you're already in white, which means you have access to Path Exile, Anthonice, Prismatic End, um, you know, Oust, um, and then soon Portable Hole, which all also answer a creature for one mana but they do so without the huge downside of them getting the creature back hmm. yeah and then th- the other thing that i looked at this this for a little bit is when i first read this i was like can i play this would i play this in prowess over vapor snag mm-hmm. you know because the two turns are extremely meaningful to to that type style of deck a more aggressive kind of deck and I don't know. It still felt to me like I would probably just use Vapor Snag, but I, I agree. But why? why? This seems like an obvious upgrade over Vapor Snag because they can just play the snagged card the next turn. Well, the one big thing is, and and uh, they have to spend the mana on the snagged card to play it again. Mm-hmm. And so, if they have, if they're really low on resources, then Suspense can be better. But if they still have gas to play, then Suspense is going to be worse than Vapor Snag. Uh, Vapor Snag um, also kind of protects your own creatures a bit better uh, if in some situations, but this card can protect your creatures better if you also have a lot of gas. Um, but also it's true that with Suspend, you're going to be wanting to cast it on your opponent's turn. That way it takes two turns later for the Suspend card to come down rather than cast it on your turn. And if you're playing it in Blue-Red Prowess, uh, you are incentivized to cast it on your turn to trigger Prowess. And right. so... It's weaker in blue red prowess than it might be in other shells because of that. What he, what he said, Stan. What's, yeah, the, what, the everything other, whatever it said. What I was going to say. Oh too. man, I, I can't wait to use that line throughout this episode. <laughs> the, the only other creature that hasn't come up yet is Delver, and I wonder if this is another tool for a Delver style deck where we are just playing a tempo, low to the ground, blue based creature strategy, where this just gets something out of the way until you find a remand or a counter spell to answer. Well, I, I think that those style decks are already pretty underpowered uh, where and there's so much efficient one mana removal in modern. It's so difficult to just protect your Delver until it gets through and you don't have days and wa- you don't have days in Wasteland to do that. And there's also so much more one mana removal in modern than in Legacy to kill your Delver of Secrets. And so to so when you're already playing an underpowered strategy like Delver adding another card that's underpowered just doesn't, isn't going to be, I think the answer to the archetype. Hmm. Hard to argue with you guys when you <laughs> sound so correct about most of this stuff. <laughs> Why don't we talk about a, a sweet card for a minute with cool Seb McKinnon art. Mm, uh, it's, it's so good. Svielen of sea and sky generic blue, blue. It is a legendary creature. Merfolk God. It's a three, four for three. And it says Svielen of sea and sky has indestructible as long as you control at least two other merfolk whenever Cielin attacks draw a card and it says other merfolk you control have ward one generic which is pretty interesting i mean this just seems like a really cool addition to the merfolk kind of lord package you know the way that we've talked about it in the past this would fall into that like this is a lieutenant it's not like a it doesn't pump so i would think of this as like one of your lieutenant cards you know Merfolk goes back and forth between doing things like playing Luris sometimes and playing Marrow Regery so that they can't play Luris. And I think this card adds a lot to Merfolk. Even adding draw card to a couple of cards in Merfolk is nice. You know, there's some card draw in Merfolk off of your um, spreading seas and off of your 
Silvergill adepts. So I, th- I think this is a nice way to kind of like keep cards flowing through Merfolk as you get towards the end of the game as well. I, I think this card is definitely going to see play in that deck. I'm not sure how many legendary creatures you can afford to play, but seems good enough. I, I agree. I think this card's great in Merfolk. I, I expect them to play three or four copies, uh, and I expect it to be really good in Merfolk. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily, you know, change that much about how the deck plays out. Um, that was my question it, to you between this and and Rashad and Dockhand, if that was going to be any kind of significant upgrade to Merfolk in general. I, I think I think they are big upgrades. I don't know that they're big enough to make Merfolk like a real big player, but I think that if you like play a lot of Merfolk, if you understand the deck in and out, then this is definitely going to make your deck better, and you're probably going to still you're probably going to win more because of these two cards. Cosine. Well, Last couple of cards in blue. We have Sweep the Skies, which is a pass, I believe, and Vidalkin Infantrator, which has some of the creepiest art I've ever seen. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I, that's a pass as well. So that's it for blue. And now we're on to black. First card in black, I think, is also a pass. It's Archfiend of Sorrows. But that takes us to Archon of Cruelty. What do we think about this giant card it is six generic black black for a creature archon it's a six six flyer like a lot of the archon cards are for some reason and it says whenever archon of cruelty enters the battlefield or attacks target opponent sacrifices a creature or planeswalker discards a card then and loses through life you draw a card and gain through life i love the allusion to cruel ultimate cruel ultimatum mm. which i think is fun for me it's i even just got bolus's horns in the background yeah. Oh, that's right. That I was looking at that earlier going, why does oh, it have wow. Bolus's horns in the background? That's that's why it's because of that that illusion. Um, I think it's a card that people will probably look to use with persist and unmarked grave. Mm-hmm. But not really the deck that I'm interested in building coming out of Modern Horizons, <laughs> but there's like that whole package within here, and this was spoiled, I think, Sunday morning or Saturday morning. This just seems like here's the card, here's a card you can throw right in and enjoy. I, I agree. I actually uh, built a blue-black control deck that was playing this card uh, earlier today, and I, I think this card has a lot of potential. I think it's one of the better reanimate targets. Um, it, it feels like this is like going to be your generically good unmarked grave target that you're going to be able to get in any matchup, and then maybe you'll have some silver bullets, or maybe you'll have other cards on the sideboard that are more efficient, like Terracidon or uh, Void Winnower or Sundering Titan. Uh, and you can bring those cards in against, you know, Titan or, you know, Tron or whatever. Uh, but this is like something you get to play game one and it's going to be really efficient is the way I'm thinking about this card. Cosine. Yep. All right. Up next, Bone Shards. Single black sorcery as an additional cost to cast the spell. Sack a creature or discard a card destroy target creature or planeswalker we've seen cards like this so many times and they're usually called bone splinters but shards are bigger than splinters this (laughs) is easier to activate it also tags planeswalkers best version of bone splinters i've ever seen does that make bone splinters good finally maybe it you know in decks that play lightning axe and there's like a decent number of those that are already playing black this seems like a much stronger version of that that card Mm -hmm. I like it. I think it's good, but I also think it's a bit narrow. And so if you're mm-hmm. playing some kind of, you know, madness deck or graveyard deck, maybe it's something that you play like one or two copies of the main deck, additional copies on the side. Maybe it's just a sideboard card, but it's a good card. It's a, it's a good card in specific archetypes. Yeah. I think the big thing here is the discard a card. 
right? Mm -hmm. So you get that option to build your deck around the synergy. If you want to, if you want to, whatever, if you want to discard a Vengevine, if you want to discard a madness card, if you want to do something else that you want to get in the graveyard for some reason, this is a Phoenix. Yeah, please. (laughs) I wish. Um, but this is a one mana card that enables a discard that you can make advantageous if you want to. And I think that's, that's good. Hollow one. Yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. but you do need a target for this. I don't know how often you might be like, I really need a discard. So I'm going to target my own creature with this. Probably not that frequently, but um, it, it might just be the like the best sideboard card in the deck that wants it to. Like if you're up against a aggressive opponent, this might be like just an awesome additional removal spell that you can play. Yeah, I mean, the really good thing about this is that, yeah, it's super good in this, this situation that you were describing, but also if you play against a control person who's like, I'm bringing in Narset and Teferi 5 and Teferi 3 against you, at least you have some cards that are live against Planeswalkers, where a lot of times you don't in those That's matchups, in those mm-hmm. decks. All right, Clattering Augur, pass. But that brings us <laughs> to Damn. 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 Yeah, yeah everybody damn. just wants to say that about this card, for sure. I feel like I'm a little kid. My parents are letting me swear. <laughs> <laughs> For the first time. This is our first time swearing on the show. Damn. I think I've sworn on the show before. Yeah, and we bleeped it out. out. Oh, you did? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, damn. Black, black, sorcery, destroy target creature. It cannot be regenerated. Note, no cards, I think, have regeneration in the set. But it also has overload, two white, white. You may cast the spell for its overload cost if you do change its text by replacing all instants of target with each. So you can overload it into a wrath of God. Yeah, terminate split card. Wrath of God is crazy. Yeah, like where where did this come from? That's what I want to know. This card is this design is so wild to see. I, I think that Wizards correctly identified that white black is probably the weakest two color combination in modern, and giving them this card and like vindicate. I think there's like one or two other like really strong black white cards. Mm-hmm. Making like the mana costs on these really restrictive, and so like even decks like Esper Control are going to have a hard time casting this if they also want to play Counterspell, Archimedes Charm. Um, it, it, the idea is that it buffs, you know, buffs black-white pretty significantly, I think, is a pretty good design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I wonder a little bit if there's some strange, like, sideways stuff where a white deck would just play this as Wrath, you know, because it's a 2CMC spell. And mm-hmm. so, like, I saw somebody... What's that card that doesn't let you cast four? Gaddick Teague. Yeah, Gaddick. Someone was posting about Gaddick Teague versus Wrath of God and said, I finally beat you, <laughs> my friends. <laughs> Which is, I mean, it's just a weird yeah, yeah. thing to think about. Like, you don't have to have it as a terror. I doubt it'll come up that often, but. Yeah. It, it does also, even if you cast it for four mana, if your opponent has Eidolon of the Great Rebel, it's still going to deal you two damage, which is, you know, a pretty real downside. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's also true that if you're a white deck that plays Wrath of God, you're probably also blue for Supreme Verdict. Right. I don't think that there's really too many white decks that are playing Wrath that aren't also blue. Um, there aren't that many yeah. Wraths floating around. As but we've you, talked about yeah, a couple yeah. of times recently, there's not that many Wraths floating around in Modern anyway right Al- now. Although, I, I do think that Wraths and creature removal are going to be better after Modern Horizons 2 based on just how many great creatures are in the set and mm-hmm. how creature strategies really seem to be buffed in this set, which I think is good for the format overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we powerful. Like damn. Yeah, powerful card. Not much else to say about it, right? <laughs> like, if you America like playing black damn. white, there you go. Damn, that card is good. Damn. You want to workshop any other one liners <laughs> on it? Or? Damn, y'all see this card? <laughs> Perfect. Okay, discerning taste. Man, gross. Feast of sanity. 
Yucky. I don't want to taste that feast at all. Flay essence? No. <laughs> Spike, you're you're shaking your head side to side, but it's um, we're passing. <laughs> the art is really cool on Flay essence. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, grief. So we 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 covered grief between the three of us last week. Spike would love to hear your take on it. Is it banned on week one? Yeah, okay. It's it's always so funny to me when like you see. I mean, obviously, you know, maybe if this was like Hogak power level, calling for it to be banned early would be a little more acceptable. And maybe this will be clipped uh, after this card is like seen to be too good. But I I at least think that ephemerate plus grief is not going to be what gets this card banned. Uh, I think that if this card is ends up being too good, I could see that being in like Vingevine decks specifically. This card seems really, really strong in Vingevine decks. But, you know, it, you could go turn one, insulate Neonate, discard your Vingevine, then, then you can grief, hit them with the Vingevine. You get to take their, you know, best spell to stop your Vingevine, and then, you know, maybe they just die to your turn one, four, three. I'm sorry, um, what? You get to so, do that? I didn't even realize that that, yeah, because it's a creature yeah, trigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. That that's that. I think it'll be best in Vengevine decks. I also think it'll be very good in Living End, where you get to like get their disruption out of their hand, and then bring it back, and then get anything else they have to rebuild out of their hand. I think I think that there are Ephemerate decks with it, and I've been working on them myself. And uh, the thing about Grief and Ephemerate decks is that black at the moment is the worst color to pair with Ephemerate. There are some cards that work well with Ephemerate in black, uh, but they are. Even the ones that are playable with it are lower power level than any of in blue, red, or green, or white. Definitely, definitely weaker than white. Like your cards are like Tidehole Scholar, Callous Blood Mage, which is a new card from Strixhaven. And then we recently got uh, Bone Shredder, uh, which is the killer creature echo card. Right. Mm-hmm. And then that's about the end of the list. And those cards are also like a little underpowered. And you might say, well, that's okay. I'll just play more white cards, I'll play more blue cards. But you need to pitch a black card to grief to cast it. And so you need and, and if you're gonna play an ephemerate deck, you also need to have like 20 creatures, 18, 20 creatures minimum, and like ideally more than that, that work with ephemerate. And so because you have to fill your deck with that many creatures that work with ephemerate, you need black creatures that work with ephemerate. And so your deck's gonna be a little bit lower power level than other ephemerate shells. And that that combination of ephemerate plus grief, even though it's very strong. It's probably not going to be a crazy one to mulligan to because if you mulligan to five for this, you're spending grief, a black card, your ephemerate and a white land. That's four of your five cards and to you know get three of your opponent's cards out of their hand and you get a three, two. And it's still a good play, but it's not, you know, mm-hmm. it's not anything so strong that it feels like something that we need to be that worried about, in my opinion. <sighs> Guys, I bought 300 copies of Leyline of Sanctity because I thought. It was going to spike because of grief. It might. Does anybody yeah. want to buy some ley lines? Selling to the hype. You got some ley lines in Florida you want to sell us? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, awesome. Great card. But uh, yeah, maybe maybe not the uh, band worthy thing that everybody's worried about before. Next couple cards. So Kitchen Imp. It's uh, Madness for one for a 2-2 flyer with Flying Haste. Um, this card, I saw a note that you had here, Everett, just about having it be possibly good in Hollow One mm. and Vengevine. Are you just thinking just for value as like a fallback in your for your discard cards here, or what do you think the the well, role of a card I, like I, this I is? I think I I think I made this comment before we saw the root walla. Okay, but 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 also if there is already if you're already trying to root walla people, this is another like 
you know, this is the best one mana madness creature, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that's not nothing. I, you know, we still have two days of spoilers at the time of recording. There are a lot of cards in the set that synergize with being discarded, and we haven't really seen a good discard outlet besides um, Underworld the cookbook. Book. Yeah. yeah, the cookbook. The yeah. cookbook. Yeah. Um, which, which, is, which is a good discard outlet and, you know, might be enough by itself, but I, like, if Putrid Imp is in the set, Hollow One is a good deck. Yeah. Hollow One is just a good deck, and this card might be seen play in the deck. Awesome. All right, well, maybe we'll, we'll bounce back on this thought a little bit more when we get back to the Ruwalla. Um, a Legion Vanguard and Necromancer's f- Familiar, I think, are both passes. However, uh, we have Persist mm-hmm. next, which is, was this card, this card was not spoiled last week, right, Stan? It was not. All right, do you want to read it? I would love to. Thank you. One in a black sorcery, return target non-legendary creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield with a minus one, minus one counter. It's like the Persist ability. Yeah funny <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh you gotta laugh very flavorful it's a good card i i think it's very well designed obviously non-legendary creature designed to go with unmarked grave mm-hmm. they just don't want you putting gristle brand and i own into play which makes a lot of sense to me i'm in okay my with opinion. that yeah thank yeah. you thank you wizards for that <laughs> yeah, thank Appreciate you aaron it. forsyth I, i'm sure i i also feel like this card was the minus one counter mode was maybe with the thought of woodfall primus in mind or Perhaps they like cross their mind that Woodfall Primus would be one of the better targets after the legendary creatures. And so when it comes with the minus one counter, you're not gonna be able to blow up a bunch of lands with that. Um, but, but this is, you know, it, it also doesn't work with uh, people keep saying the best reanimation target is going to be Protean Hulk, um, which is, is if you do go unmarked grave, your Protean Hulk, and then you footsteps of the Gorio on turn three and your opponent doesn't disrupt you, you're, you're going to be able to combo off. But this card doesn't doesn't sacrifice your Protean Hulk which you need for uh, for that to work as well. Um, but if you just want a big creature in play, this is by far the most efficient reanimation spell in modern. Yeah. Um, and is going to see play if reanimation decks are viable. Yeah. And it feels like someone at Wizards wants them to be, right? Yeah, I, I agree. Like, this is a pushed card, and I think it's pushed for constructed play more than, say, commander play. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting because when you do think about it there there really isn't it hasn't been a great reanimator deck in modern for a long time and i wonder if when they were designing the set they were just like what's a strategy people like that doesn't really exist let's give it some tools and because there's mm-hmm. definitely a few tools for it in here as we we talked about before and we might talk really quickly about unmarked grave again in a minute profane tutor we talked about last week uh spike do you have anything that you want to have on the record about this card i mean it, there might be some like as for if you're playing an as for told ever as for told deck already like this card is maybe something you want to slot in i i could i could see that being the case but i don't think it necessarily adds that much to those decks because they already had a really good density of suspend spells to cast right and it puts you in another color, and it doesn't impact the board the turn you cast it, which is like a really big deal in this very aggressive format. And I don't think that you ever want to just suspend it fairly. Although it is cool that you could just like wait on the turn it, you cast it, you have more information about what the best card is, as opposed to when you cast Demonic Tutor, some things might change about the board state. Right. Uh, but it takes two turns to come down. It gets to Fairy Time Ravelered. I, I just don't see this being a, a fair card. Yeah, I agree. All right, Sudden Edict. I wanted to talk about this for a second. So Sudden Edict is a generic and a black. It's an instant. It has split second, which means you cannot respond to it. And it says target player sacrifices a creature. Um, I just think this is a pretty cool card for them Mm -hmm. to make because it does uh, give some interaction that can 
stop combos with a couple of really like problematic cards like Grizzlebrand is one that comes to mind in particular like if if that card was to get too good you know if you cast sudden edict when they get Grizzlebrand out they can't continue to go off at mm. instant speed with the draw and so that's just one example you know you can hit somebody's like shadow if they're all in and they can't counter it so if if that's kind of like a, a spot as well so i don't know if this is a card that comes up really often but it's a nice card to have in the format for as a safety valve for things like that second so yeah mm-hmm. awesome all right up next we got turok dread cantor are we talking about this card I like this card a lot. Yeah, I think it's a great card, too. One in a black, legendary human cleric. It's a 2-1. It's got protection from white. Whenever an opponent discards a card, put a 1-1 counter on Turok. It also has kicker, black, black. And when it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, target opponent discards two cards at random. Oh, it casts him to Turok. Oh. Oh, one of my favorite decks from when I was... A teenager, of course, was uh, Dark Ritual, you know, him to Turok, Hip- Hypnotic Spectre, all that kind of stuff. Fun, fun decks, fun decks back in the day. Interactive magic. Um, this card, I think, I, for me, the hard part with this is I think this card's super cool. I don't know where this goes. You know what I mean? Like, I'm having a hard time figuring out, like, what you're supposed to do with this. But I feel like on rate, like, this card is just really powerful and does a lot of different things. In And the best case scenario is you cast it on four or maybe three with, you know, some kind of ramp and you have a four, three that makes your opponent discard two cards at random. That seems pretty good. Can't this Jund? Uh, yeah, it can. I actually put it, I haven't posted it yet, but I put together a Jund list that I think looks pretty good. It, I'll probably have posted it by the time this airs. Uh, but, you know, the big exciting thing to me here is that this is a good four mana spell in Jund decks that doesn't make you lose Lurus as a companion. Yeah. Uh, that's that's really the the biggest thing here and so there's a lot of there's other good threats in the set that we'll talk about i guess that um also don't make you lose Luris as a companion uh so and that i actually think that it's uh that's kind of like the big key to the puzzle is that you get to play Luris in your rock deck alongside this card hmm. i would think that the the fact that it grows from all of the discard abilities makes you mm. want to play it with liliana though that's true, but you also get to play Kroxa if in Keep Luris. You get to play your other discard spells. You can play Kologon's Command, and um, but but yeah, it, it will be good with Liliana too. I'm not saying that you have to, like. Hmm. It's not only playable with Luris, but you know, Luris is maybe the best card in modern. Yeah, if not one of the, one of the best, and if you just ha- if like this card is maybe as powerful as Bloodbraid Elf, uh, and if you can just play this instead of Bloodbraid Elf, then and get Luris as a companion, that's something you're gonna want to do. It, you know, I've I've played a lot of Legacy Jund, and cascading into Bloodbraid Elf is usually quite strong, and then this is you know very very similar to that. Mm-hmm. Sweet card. All right, Torax Canicle, not as sweet. It's a pass. <laughs> Underworld Hermit is a pass. Uh, Unmarked Grave. You know, we've talked about it a couple of times. It's it's a companion to like the Archon we talked about. It's a companion to Persist. I think it's a really fairly costed card it's interesting that like we talked about this last week too that this is much more playable than the the edict or not the edict the profane tutor for example for similar mm-hmm. costs but this does so much more it puts a card in a zone where you want to be where you can cheat it you get to make the decision right away it's part of your plan i i think that i don't know if there's much more to add to this other than this is a legit card it makes reanimator some kind of a legit deck to to mess around with in modern and that's kind of what it is 
I, I wonder if Legacy Reanimator is also going to play this, because, I mean, obviously not putting Gristlebrand in the yard is a big deal, but you have some non-legendary targets like Sire of Insanity and the, uh, whenever you cast a spell, Bounce a Permanent, and that deck is always, like, just wants to draw in Tomb so badly, so I wonder if this, if Reanimator and Legacy will play, like, one copy or something. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And then World Weary and Young Necromancer are both passes. Yeah, I was I was I was excited about Young Necromancer, and then they spoiled Karmic Guide, and I was like, Young Mac, Young Necromancer is almost Karmic Guide, but now actual Karmic Guide is spoiled. Exactly. All right, we're going to red now. Yep, the red cards: Arcbound Whelp. That's a pass. Mm-hmm. Battle Plan. That's a pass. Sure is. Blazing Rootwalla. I think it's a pass, but people kind of like this card. Whoa. No, we got to talk about it. Yeah, this card's great. Now. I yep. need I need a 101 class and why this card is great. And let me tell you yes. why. It's because I I was not playing during Od- Odyssey. Was was that when when Threshold and Vasking Vasking Rootwalla mm-hmm. were? Or was that the set? So I didn't play when Blue Green Madness was the powerful deck in standard back in the day. So it's just a 1-1. One, one. So I'm going to read it. So Blazing Rootwalla, it's a single red for a creature. It's a 1-1. One, one. It has Madness 0 and it has Pump a red into it to give it plus two plus O until end of turn. And you can only do that once a turn. Which is better than Basking Root Walla's uh, three mana for plus two plus two, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Definitely. Uh, this card's, I think, so, so good. Um, so, so good? Or just yeah, so, so, comma, good? So, uh, uh, so, so, all caps, <laughs> good. Yeah. I, may, maybe one of the best cards of the set. But uh, like top 10, maybe. Jinkies. Uh, but just like in a hollow one Vengevine deck, especially if especially if it gets one more enabler, but but also like just with Goblin Lore, the one mana each player draws three discards. Blazing three, inquiry, yeah. And and the and now the the cookbook. This card really does enable Vengevine Hollow One really well. I mean, we're more so Vengevine than Hollow One, but it's also a, a, a red one drop that attacks for three if you sink a mana into it. Uh the the card I think is gonna be one of the things that breathes life back into Vinchwine decks. Yeah. So the thing I think to just talk about here to break down is like, because it costs zero mm-hmm. because madness yes. costs zero, even this creature that seems really like if this card didn't have madness on it, it's just a, it's just a draft chaff. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a card that maybe if you're an aggressive draft deck, you're like, fine, it's the bottom end of my curve. I'll play this dumb fire breathing card because you can get this for free when you're doing other things in your plan. It suddenly becomes a great, great uh, constructed card all because of it's a free spell. Is that yeah, kind yeah, of the net? Yeah, that, that's that's the idea. Like, you know, the, the nut draw is you turn one burning inquiry and you discard a Vengevine and this card and, you know, and then you cast a hollow one and this, so then you get attack with your Vengevine, it's nuts. And then there's a lot of scenarios where things like that play out on turn two, where you go like turn one cookbook, discard a Vengevine, untap, discard uh, one of these, cast a spell, uh, cycle Street Wraith, cast hollow one for one mana, get your Vengevine back. Um, uh, you can turn one insolent neonate, discard uh, uh, discard this. I guess you won't have Vengevine back at that moment, but... Uh, this plus Neonate is two creatures for Vengevine for one mana, mm-hmm. which can be relevant, especially if, you know, you know, under a lot of different circumstances that can be relevant. And it's just like the floor on this card is also really low. Like you can actually just spend a mana on this uh, on turn one and then like turn two Goblin Lore. And like you're not going to be that unhappy to have this card in play. 
Uh, I think it's going to be really good in the hollow one decks. Can I just say, I'm super excited if that deck really does make a break your resurgence. And especially honestly, if there is some deck where it's hollow one and Vengevine, mm. because those are, those are, I loved these discard style decks when they were good. Those cards never were in the same deck. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they're, that would they're, be they're cool. Really it cool. Would be. Yeah, they're really cool, but it also does things. Sometimes your opponent just like puts 12 points of power to play on turn one. And you're like, well, why do I register a celestial colony? <laughs> <laughs> well, first don't do that anymore. Yeah, We've yeah, talked about course. that a few times, but, yep. um, but yeah, yeah, I, this is one of those cards where I read it and I was like, I know this card is supposed to be good, but I really want to have a good discussion about how we get mm. there with it. But that's that's awesome to see that we might have like a Jund or just red, black, straight up madness deck coming back, which is is cool. All right, next card is Brea's Apprentice. I think that is a pass. And then Calibrated Blast, I think we could talk about super quickly. Two colorless and a red. Reveal cards from the top of your library and two reveal a non-land card. Put that on the bottom of your library in uh, put the reveal cards in the bottom in random order. When you reveal a non-land card this way, Calibrated Blast deals damage equal to that card's mana value to any target, and it has flashback. This is like a combo card for you to hit someone with Emrakul, basically, right? Yeah, that's that's the way I interpret it. And it also, you know, if you hit someone for 15 with Emrakul, it also flashes back for 5, and, you know, Modern's a format where you deal a lot of, a lot of damage to yourself, so maybe it just, like, deals the last couple points. Um but, but yeah, with Brainstone and Jace the Mind Sculptor, uh, I could definitely see this card making the cut. There's also, this probably won't be your enabler, but there's a three mana creature tutor that puts creatures three creatures on top of your library. And so you can go, you can cast that and then Calibrated Blast. And then you if you put three Emrakuls on top, you can flash it back and deal another 15 uh, on like turn five. Uh, I, I don't think that that's going to be the combo. I think it's probably going to be Brainstone and Jace, but I, I'm going to try to make this work. You know, three three mana deal 15 is really powerful, and so mm-hmm. uh, seems worth at least trying out. There you go. All right, Chef's Kiss, I think, is a pass. Dragon's Rage Channeler. I have to say, before the Root Wallet came out, I thought this was going to be their best red one drop in the set. <laughs> now I'm a little bit less sure. Well, it, what's funny is I actually think there's another red one drop that's better than... Oh this one that card too yeah which is crazy there's three really really good red one drops in this set yeah Uh, so let's talk about this one for a minute it's a single red it's a one one whenever you cast a non-creature spell surveil just your reminder surveil is a really powerful (laughs) ability that 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 line of text by itself is really really strong yeah and then this card also has delirium as long as there are four or more card types among cards in your graveyard it gets plus two plus two and has flying and attacks each turn if able, it can no longer hold the rage. So what you're shooting for here is a 3-3 flyer that uh, helps you be able to mill to cards that you care about Well, when you cast non-creature spells. And I, I think people are going to be impressed by how quickly this is a 3-3 flyer on two. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just, you know... This, a bobble, whatever you surveil, or maybe mm-hmm. you play an Inquisition on turn two. It could be a three three on turn one if you have a street wraith and a fetch land and a bobble, which is a lot. But yeah, I think I think it'll be a three three on turn two a decent amount of time because of the surveillability. Mm-hmm. I think it's gonna yeah. be a three three on turn two more often than Delver is in modern. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and Delver of Secrets doesn't smooth out your draws. You know? Right. Also, actually, one thing that I hadn't really thought about: this card maybe tries to get you a non-creature spell on top of your library to flip Delver of Secrets is not something I had actually considered until this moment. Uh, I'm probably, I'm probably still not registering Delver, but one that's day you something. Will. That's something I, you, I, you've I, trophied I with Delver. I, I've seen. Yeah. I, I, I've played more Delver of Secrets 
probably the in modern probably the most people <laughs> i my my first pptq i won with grixis delver my first gp i lost my winning in the top eight with grixis delver i have a huge love for the card but it's just a little underpowered now and it's just hard to register it these days but this is something yeah <laughs> this yeah. is something i think this card is just super powerful i'm not totally sure where it goes it might just go lots of places right? yeah I, I think so right i think so it might go in shadow deck I don't think this is a card you necessarily want to play in prowess, but, but maybe like it doesn't not fit. I think if you're playing a Sprite dragon, Mishra's bobble deck Mm -hmm. uh, or, or just any Mishra's bobble deck, you're going to want to play it. And that's not, you know, some prowess variants may evolve to play those cards. Yeah. I think, I think Jundra Grix shadow could like this card Mm -hmm. because they have hand disruption and, um, and bobbles. I agree. Yeah. This card is just super good. All right. We're going to keep it moving fast and furious. That is a pass. Flame. Bl- Can we bl- talk about the film franchise and how much Shh. I love it? Well, we're going to save that for our other po- our watch along podcast stand oh, okay. that we're started, where you've watched Fast and Furious many times, and this is my <laughs> first time watching any Fast and Furious. I've never seen one. Dave, don't threaten me with a good time. It sounds good. Bonus episode incoming. This podcast down to do that. Yeah. Everett, do you like Fast and Furious, or are you? Uh, I've seen one of the films. <laughs> I saw it on a plane. Uh, and I, I, I was fine. Was it the they, one remember, where there was a plane in the movie where they like um, fought a plane? Well, maybe may, I, I, I might be confusing movies, but I think they drove a tank out of the plane. Oh, yeah. And were shooting the tank to like kind of reduce the <laughs> the fall speed. So they were like shooting down to reduce the fall speed of the tank. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was, it was they, they're dragging a big vault uh behind their car with a chain it oh was, hell it yeah was cool. that's the best it one. was fun yeah all right everett you're on the podcast too now flame blitz <laughs> one red uh, i just want to talk about this really quickly at the beginning of your yes. end step flame blit flame blitz deals five damage to each planeswalker cycling two i uh, love this card uh, i love it too i it's like two years too late but why do you think it's two years to too late a war of the spark was uh there were some design mistakes in that set ah, and, got it uh you know what, what's funny is this card would not kill oko the turn you know oko would get to have two activations but uh but yeah just i i welcome to the format flame blitz I, I don't really see too many people sideboarding this but it does feel like a good safety valve if you know blue white control or other planeswalker decks are too good and hear me yeah, out it, it, yeah i think this is a one of you can play main because it's, I, I, because I it has cycling, yeah. like, and it's such a powerful effect in any deck with a planeswalker, which is a lot. Like, bunch of uh, decks are now playing Karn the Great Creator, Blue That's Wake, true, yeah. or Esper Control. I think is a real deck. Um, I, I think this becomes relevant more often than it's not, and then it always has that fail case that I just kind of think it might be okay if you have an extra slot in your deck and you don't know what to put in there. Maybe just probably put in a flame more. Blitz metagame dependent if you do that but it doesn't seem unreasonable it's also something if you're a luris deck and mm-hmm. i i'm i'm saying this a lot but luris is just like one of the best cards in modern so mm-hmm. you want to be always thinking about it if you're a luris deck you can cycle it early and then get your luris and replay it with luris if that's ever relevant absolutely all right let's move along flame tongue yearling i don't think i that we think this is particularly constructed playable we talked about it a little bit last week um ever you okay passing this one Oh, I, I think the card's playable. Okay. Um, I don't think it's going to be crazy or anything, but um, no, no, this is another good card with Luris. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I saw that I in the notes, I'm so I was a, giving I'm you an a opportunity. Broken, I'm a broken record, yeah. but uh, this is a good card with Luris, and it's probably going to be more of a metagame call. How good is the shock? You know, the kicker is mostly just like a little bit of upside to make the card a little bit stronger, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I don't think you're going to kick it that often, but 
You can also vial the sin and deal two damage to any creature. And for, for two mana, there's no other card uh, that can kill a creature in modern. Uh, and so you could maybe play this as an Imperial Recruiter target if you're like, you know, just a straight red-white Recruiter Vile Ephemerate deck. This mm-hmm. works well with Ephemerate. So uh, probably not like a modern staple or anything, but a card that does fit some roles and synergizes with Ephemerate, Imperial Recruiter, Luris, and, and all of those cards are really, really good. And so I, I think that this is something to look at. Yeah. Do you think this might be better than Bone Crusher Giant in modern? Uh, well, one issue with Bone Crusher Giant is in specifically the mono red decks. Uh, the mono red decks play that card so they can keep Obosh as a companion and still have like a two mana card on their curve. Right. And this card makes you lose Obosh in the mono red decks. Yeah. So I, I don't see that being the case. But I mean, if you're an Aether Vile Ephemerate deck, it's you know better than a card like that for sure. Mm-hmm. Cool. Perfect. All right, let's move along. Galvanic Relay is a pass. Glimpse of Tomorrow, I think, is sort of unfortunately a pass. It's an interesting card, but we're going to skip it for time. Harmonic Prodigy, I also feel like, is unfortunately a pass because it's a two-mana prowess creature, but I don't think it's any good. Um, Obsidian, hold on, hold on. Oh, is, yeah. is, is Harmonic Prodigy, doesn't this just mean we never have to play Abbot of Carol Keep again? Uh, there's another card that lets us never play Abbot of Carol Keep again oh, later, okay. I think. So. All right, we'll get to that one then. Yep. Uh, Obsidian Charmaw. Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool card. Do you want to talk about it for a minute, Stan? Three red, red dragon. It's a 4-4. Four, four. It's got flying. This spell costs one generic mana less for e- to, to cast for each land your opponent's control that could produce colorless mana. So again, something like Tron, it's sometimes a four or three or two drop and when it enters the battlefield destroy target non-basic land and opponent controls there, you know there's this uh deck it's like this red green mid-range deck it's been named after a uh, deep fried calzone you may have heard of it it's called a uh, ponza if there's any deck that's going to try this charma i think it's going to be ponza and it might be quite good there i agree you could also just side this in any red deck and you know, it, I think it's pretty well designed where on turn three, if you're on the play, you get to kill your opponent's second Tron land before they Tron. Mm-hmm. But if they're on the play, they have a turn with Tron before you get to charm all them, which feels like exactly the design around this card, which I think is pretty, pretty good. Cool. All right. Now we're going to talk about a real good card. <laughs> a very, very good card here. <laughs> Ragavan Nimble Pilferer, a single red. It's a 2-1 legendary creature monkey pirate. The best type line I've ever read in my life. And it says, when Ragavan Nimble Pilferer deals combat damage to a player, create a treasure token and exile the top card of that player's library until end of turn, you may cast that card. It also has dash, confusingly, for a colorless and a red. This card is just amazing, I think, personally. Remember when they made Goblin Guide and everyone was like, Goblin Guide is really good? And makes to make up for it being really good, your opponent draws a card sometimes off of it. They draw a land off of it. Now, Ragavan just draws you cards when you connect with it. And that is wild to me. Yep. At the time of making this comment, I think it's the best card in the set. I Are you serious that, when you say that? I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. I think if you are cross playing... Cross your heart. I hope to die. Well, I don't hope to die, but Stick a needle cross in your my eye. heart. <laughs> this, this card's nuts. I, it's like the floor on this card is you spend one mana and your opponent spends one mana too and they kill it. And that's an even trade. That's the like the worst this card is. Any scenario where that doesn't happen, it's getting you really ahead. And it's just there's very few ways your opponent can like get advantage on this card with besides Lava Dart. And like on turn three, 
that you can like steal with Archmage's charm, but that's not you know such a big point against it because it's your opponent steals it with charm, then they have the best card in the in the set in play. Mm-hmm. You know, um, this this card is great. I, I think that you will see this card in red aggressive decks. I think you'll see this card in red mid range decks, and I think you maybe see this in like the sideboard of red control decks. Wow, you- I mean. The, the ramping cannot be underestimated. Like, Absolutely I think we talked not. a lot about the drawing card part of it, but making a Lotus Petal, I like to remind people all the time that treasure are Lotus Petals. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. You put Blood Moon, you just cast Blood Moon on turn two with this card. Do you guys think it replaces anything in Burn? Or is this uh, or just an aggressive, like, zoo-style creature deck? Burn, sh- Burn should probably play this card because this card is so strong, in, in my opinion. I... I, I don't know exactly what it would replace, but I, I do think they should play it for sure. Maybe over skull crack. Something. Just take take some take four cards out of your deck and they'll probably be worse <laughs> than this one. I mean, we, we might not get to play with Monastery Swiss for for much longer and the, the yeah, oh. that's easy swap. Uh, honest, Please don't honestly, say that. every single card in the set, I've really, really liked the design. I, I if, if 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 it was coming by my desk at Wizards, I wouldn't send it back. I'd give it a seal of approval. With the exception of Ragavan, I think that it has too much text on it. I, re- I really don't think the card is designed well. Mm. I think it's a little too pushed. It also feels like one of these things, this whole set to me, this is like a little bit of an aside, but this whole set to me feels a little bit like we they went back and said, let's find all these one-off cards to throw, uh, mm. one-off uh, mechanics to throw onto cards. And Dash being on, Dash is such a weird mechanic. Mean, Dash is good yeah, on is. this card. Like, mm-hmm. I do think Dash is good on this card, but... finally it's a weird thing to throw to throw out because it's such a weird mechanic that I, I feel like mm. never really went anywhere. But anyway, great card. Can't wait to spend $60 a piece on those. Uh, okay. Scofos Reaver is a pass strike it rich. I, I do want to say something really quick about strike it rich. I think this card's good. I think this card might be, I don't think it's good enough for like storm, but it definitely is a card that's on plan for storm and can keep you going. You can cast it off a of pass in flames it's also a spell trigger for that giant dinosaur that we're going to take a minute to talk about later. And I think that that can be really good too. It's another card. That's just, it's just a pass through card. It's a card that you cast, you get a spell trigger, you get the mana back immediately and you can keep going. Now it doesn't draw you a card, but there's a lot of things that come off with, with that. So I feel like with the amount of storm and other things like that, that are around with this card, I feel like this is, this is something to keep in mind when you're building those, those decks. I, I do feel like this card has combo potential. I don't think at the time of making this comment, it, there's cards that actually combo with it. You know, you mentioned it adds to the storm count. It, you know, it, it works with the dinosaur, but like it's not any better than an ornithopter on those storm turns. You know, it doesn't it doesn't draw you a card. It doesn't generate any mana. It's just you know zero mana. Cast a spell if you're going to sack the pedal back immediately, and that's not really something I think those kind of decks usually look that hard for. Um, that being said, like it there could be something that synergizes with this card to make more treasures somehow or maybe something gets printed the, the copies the spell a bunch but i i don't actually think we're going to see this in play in combo decks you know you might see it to cast blood moon on turn two but that might not be any better than a ritual effect mm-hmm. yeah i mean the flashback i think is non-zero yeah uh, it's not it's not yeah. right so i don't know i agree with you dave the, the fact that it's one mana and it's free essentially it just costs you a card it feels interesting and you get to bank it if you want if you want to ramp with it you can if you want to spell trigger you can i just think this is a card to like keep keep in mind mm-hmm. yeah yeah sure it sure is uh spreading insurrection is a pass for sure 
We didn't read Strike It Rich. We're sorry. You can go look it up. Uh, Stan? Guys, uh, can I interrupt you really quick? We got a breaking news. We got a new spoiler that didn't make the cut when we were doing notes, but I'm going to interrupt it with it because I think it's an interesting card. And it's called Tide Shaper. Single blue mana for a 1-1 Merfolk Wizard. It has Kicker 1. When it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, target land becomes an island for as long as Tide Shaper remains on the battlefield. And Tide Shaper gets plus 1, plus 1 as long as an opponent controls an island. So this is uh, spreading seas on a stick, basically. Seems fine. Fine. Good, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to evaluate. It doesn't really work with the Aether Vial, right? Because you don't get to kick it. It's definitely more of a two drop than a one drop, but maybe you'll play it as a one mana spell some amount of the time. Don't you just want to replace Spreading Seas, though? No, because uh, you need the card velocity. Because it doesn't draw. Spreading Seas draws a card. Well, this this does draw a card, too. Oh, and the card it? it draws you is a two two in play. Right. You know, you know what I mean? That's, that's, that's the card it draws you. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'd have to think about it a bit more, but it seems like definitely an option for Merfolk decks. And like, honestly, you might want to play this in addition to spreading seas. Like sometimes spreading seas is like mm-hmm. just your best card in the matchup by a lot. And having eight access to like eight of these, maybe in the 75, maybe you main deck one sideboard. The other will give you a really good big mana matchup out of, uh, out of Merfolk. All right. Cool. We return to our regu- regular scheduled broadcast now. It, as long as you don't break in with any more important merfolk <laughs> i will try uh, this card looks familiar it's abundant harvest single green sorcery choose land or non-land reveal cards for the top of your library until you reveal a card of the chosen kind put that card into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order it's a common we knew that this card was gonna be in the set we didn't know it's rarity it was a rare in the mystical archive now it is a common seems good for popper you're welcome. Uh, so for what it's worth, we talked about this a couple of times, but I kind of think this is the best card in the set, but I'm also a sucker for for cantrips and especially one that always gets me what I want. Uh, I'm pretty thrilled to have this card around. I don't know if it's going to be turn out to be too good, but uh, I don't know how much more there's to say about it other than like it's, I think it's super powerful and going to be around for a long time. Uh, I, I agree. I've seen some people play this card in Legacy and it looks it looks very good. I don't know. I don't think it necessarily goes in every green deck. And I, I also will say that I think there are some decks that it doesn't go in. I think that if you're playing like specifically bring to light for Tybalt or if you're playing like an Urza saga deck, I've, I've been putting some list of those together that let play like one Zurin orb to get off of, of, of uh, Urza saga and go off with Titania. But um, if you have like really narrow tutor targets, you might not want to play this card with Abundant Harvest because you might just flip that card over and it's you know a card that you kind of intended to tutor later. Or mm-hmm. if you're bringing to life for Tybalt, you're just going to like draw your Valky and that might be really awkward. Um, but I think this card's good. I think you're gonna it's going to see a lot of play and I think it's going to be uh, uh, good. Yeah. All right. Next one, Aviv Progenitor Ooze, two generic green, green, green for a two-two. It has Storm. It doesn't. It says progenitor ooze isn't legendary if it's a token, and then it also enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it for each other ooze you control. This card seems wild. Yeah. Yep, uh, definitely wild. I I feel like before spoilers are over, we'll see a storm enabler uh, uh, in green because it doesn't really make a lot of sense for them to have three different storm cards if you count the dinosaur. Mm-hmm. And for them to just not print any storm enablers, in my opinion. So, what do you consider a storm enabler? Like a ritual? 
Well, that that's definitely one. Uh, I don't consider Gaia's Will to be a Storm Enabler, if, uh, if that's because that card's is terrible. Uh, but yeah, a ritual is, I guess, what I'm I'm hinting at or suspecting is going to be in the case, or like a fixed metamorphose or something weird like that. Where, yes, yeah. so, something, something, and I I, I don't. I'm I'm kind of scared for it because they've printed a lot of green storm cards here and doesn't and they're not going to do very much in my opinion without like one more enabler and then they're going to be maybe really good. Yeah. Like imagine if you could play this card with eight metamorphoses in your deck, it would be like pretty good, I think. I think so too. Metamorphose. Also maybe not yeah, long yeah, for this world. Yeah, yeah, that that card is also one of the best cards of modern for sure. Yeah. Totally agreed. I I love the design of this card. Um, mm. that it's a creature with storm is so cool. The way that it scales up, the higher mm-hmm. your storm count is, it's just like you either have a wrath or you're going to lose, which is sort of true of Empty the Warrens, but is especially mm-hmm. true here. You can get farther with a lower storm count here too is the other thing to keep in mind. I mean, this does cost that's five, true, yeah. but you know, if you have storm four, like that's a lot <laughs> going yeah. on here. So I wish you could cast it off a single metamorphose. You cannot, but maybe let's say we don't get any other storm enablers this and strike it rich maybe that's enough to make it work i'm sorry yeah. uh, manamorphos and strike it rich might be enough to make this work yeah potentially okay right, y'all want to talk about squirrels i do not <laughs> oh but wait yeah but wait it we might should be good to, yeah it might be good to skip up by for time i don't know yeah all right let's skip over chatterfang sorry pass chatterstorm pass uh endurance let's read it really quickly one green green three four flash reach when endurance enters the battlefield up to one target player puts all the cards from their graveyard on the bottom of their library in a random order evoke exile a green card from your hand this is the green of this cycle it's good against graveyard decks it seems reasonable to play i'm not sure where it has the best home but it seems fine it seems like maybe the one that you might see hard cast the most out of all of them it's sort of like um you know that card loaming centaur or whatever it was called that one loaming shaman loaming shaman yeah this might be kind of just a better version of that card yeah i i agree i i think that the card is it's like worse graveyard hate than most graveyard hate spells Mm -hmm. and it's not probably strong enough to main deck and so if you're going to sideboard a graveyard hate spell i have a hard time imagining choosing this over ravenous trap wayline of saint wayline of the void you know and you know and, and those are options that any deck can play and if you're in white, you have better option. If you're in green, you might have better options too. There you go. All right, can we skip Fey Offering? I Stan, don't want to. You have thoughts? I, I just oh. think this card is really interesting. Okay. Tuner Green Enchantment. At the beginning of each end step, if you've cast both a creature spell and a non-creature spell, create a clue token, a food token, and a treasure token. That's a lot of tokens. Like, if you can trigger it, you're just making three artifacts. And if you've got like some way to make creatures on your opponent's turn, which I think is going to be a lot harder to do, but even so, like this feels like it's some weird combo piece that we can't fully contextualize yet. Well, it only triggers once a turn, so I have a hard time seeing it being a combo piece. The, but I mean that that is a lot of tokens for sure. And if you have Chatterfang in play, then you get three squirrels. That's also true. There's, I think there's going to be a card uh, later that we talk about that also cares about the amount of tokens you generate. I don't know. All I want to say, I want to be on the record saying that this <laughs> is a lot of tokens. Perfect. It is a lot of tokens, yes. All right. I'm going to move that we skip Gaia's will. Nobody's ever going to think about Gaia's will in modern, I think. It's too bad because I, I will say, <laughs> it's like Yogmas will, everybody. <laughs> it's like Yogmas will. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that's what everybody read when they saw this. Mm-hmm. They go, this is Yogmas will. 
we're just going to skip it because we don't think it's going to work and we're go- we'll come back to it some other time. Probably uh, next week. Yeah, probably. Glinting Creeper is a pass. And so is the next card, which is Herd Bailoth. We got to get to the next card, though, which is Ig Noble Hierarch, which is a card I can't believe they made. It's green for an 0-1 for a go- creature goblin shaman. It's exalted. And it has tap add red, black, or green. So it's a Jund Noble Hierarch. Unbelievable card. Yeah, this card is awesome. Yeah. Really, really cool. How could they? Why would they do this? I don't get it. I mean, is this like, we're sorry we had to ban Deathrite Shaman? How about how about Ignoble Hierarch? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. I mean, it's, it's kind of the card I never knew I wanted, and uh, yeah. it's, I, I'm really excited for it. I think John Shaman, uh, John uh, Ponza, Black Green Infects, Green Black Rock, John uh, Goblins, they're, they're all going to want this card. And uh, it's it's going to be a, a, a staple of modern, I think, just like Noble Hierarch. There you go. Stan, anything you want to say about your love for Ignoble Hierarch? Are you going to get these? Are you going to pass on these? Well, there's so many good cards in the set that I pre-ordered a set booster box mm-hmm. because it's just like, I want to play the lottery because I know maybe I'll open cards I end up playing. I do think it's interesting, Spike, that you mentioned that you can play this in Ponza. Does, do you just not care that it produces black or is this enough to incentivize Ponza to like maybe run a black? spell well you like, could it gives you the option to but yeah. just tapping for a green red and exalted i think makes it pretty strong and uh maybe you don't play the full four but maybe you do mm-hmm. yep this card is going to change some things though this is one of the cards that i think is going to change some things in modern right just because exalted is really good you know it's going to make jund more incentivized to like try to do liliana on two or something like that in the cases where they want to play liliana it's going to get your turok out more earlier and things like that so it's just like it's going to do a lot of stuff almost more than we could talk about i think in, in some ways awesome future right. episode topic when probably let's your, episode let's your uh, ragavan attack for uh more oh yeah ragavan yeah <laughs> love it okay jade avenger uh, Orchid Strider, Rift Sower, Sanctum Weaver, Scurry Oak, Squirrel Sanctuary, Squirrel Sovereign, Sylvan Anthem, and Terramorph are all passes to me. We can talk about some me. of these cards, like Sanctum Weaver. Do we need to talk about Enchantress? This is our first chance to talk about Enchantress. I don't think we need to. <laughs> well, I, I just like Enchantress is, I think, didn't get enough to be a real deck. It, like, you know, I, I wrote in the notes, like, Enchantress is just never, ever beating Tron. You know, it just, there's just no way it's ever happening. But, but Tron is dead. Like, Tron is never no. beating Counterspell. Uh, Eldrazi Tron beats Counterspell a lot. So, unfortunately, they got, we have all these squirrel cards. Let's just talk about squirrel cards for a second. There's a lot of squirrel cards. <laughs> all right. Very divisive it's, creatures. It's a fun thing that people like to, they seem to like to do in these sets. People enjoy the squirrels. None of these are, it's almost unfortunate that they didn't quite make something that would make squirrel tribal a thing. Maybe Chatterfang card we had to skip could be something, a good card on its own. But um, it's too bad that they spent a lot of time with all these squirrels. You know what I think is too bad? That they didn't go hard enough. Yeah. Like, if, if clearly it's going to be a limited archetype, and maybe it's going to be a very good limited archetype, and maybe it'll even make limited really fun to play. But if you're going to devote, like, what, 5% of your set to this specific token creature type, make it maybe competitively viable, too? I would love that. Yeah, it's like the, it's like the slivers from Modern Horizons 1 that, like, uh, although even maybe even a little bit more egregious because I didn't feel like too many people were wanting, like, you know, 20 slivers in Horizons 1 and 
I, I agree with what you're saying that there's a, like a lot devoted to squirrels for squirrels to not be that competitive. Although I, I, I do feel like like Chatterfang has some potential with like the, the, like the, the, the tokens that we're talking about generating with uh, like the, the artifact tokens. And I actually think Sylvan Anthem is a pretty powerful card. And I think this card is kind of intended for the squirrel deck, but probably a card that can see play like in elves or other places. Yeah. I, you want to talk about Sylvan Anthem really quick. I stopped short of that one. It's green, green for green mm-hmm. creatures. You control get plus one plus one. It's an enchantment. Whenever a green creature enters the battlefield under your control, scry one. Yeah. Just scry one on an Anthem for each creature. ETB seems really powerful to me. Yeah. Like when these decks often are just trying to curve out and they lack consistency in card selection, this card gives them that um you know i maybe kind of feels like white got snubbed again <laughs> and maybe would have liked to have this card more and and white white but uh i i think this card may be good in elves maybe good uh if there's another green deck that wants an anthem yeah elves has been playing the green ley line uh of vitality that gives creatures mm-hmm. plus zero plus one it also lets you gain a life whenever a creature enters the battlefield I kind of wonder if this is a better tool for elves because it also buffs their power and makes gives elves a little bit more closing power and you know more card selection deck control. Yeah, I don't think so. It it also works pretty well with Realm Walker, which lets you cast elves from the top of your library, so you can kind of like scry and and kind of go off with that. That's that's cool. All right, I think we have a couple more green cards to talk about. Uh, we talked about Thrast. We're going to skip Terramorph. I don't think that's constructed playable. Uh, we're going to talk. We talked about Thrasta Tempest Roar, the giant dinosaur, last week. I think this is a card that might be playable. Everybody else seems kind of skeptical. We can talk about it another time. I think unless Spike has wants to place this on power rankings anywhere. If- well, if I think that, like I was saying, if there's another Storm Enabler in green, this card is potentially very, very strong. Mm-hmm. It's it's the closest thing to Hogak in this set. I'll I'll tell you that. It's just like it's like the one that like what? it might be broken, right? It's like yeah, it's wow, just, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a big legendary creature with a ton of crazy amount of words on it. Trample, haste, hexproof. The turn it enters, and it has a cost reduction on it. And you know, it, like I, this is not as good as Hogak, I think. But if you know. If you can, like, if you get to play, if there's another enabler or if there's, uh, it's really that. Like, if there's another enabler, like, on the power level of Manamorphose, um, this card has the potential to be really, really obnoxious and powerful. I agree. All right. Timeless Witness, I think, is just worse than Eternal Witness, so we can probably skip it. Tireless Provisioner. I think it's, I think that this is a powerful card. I agree. I hate it. <laughs> you hate it. I hate All right, it. so it's two generic and a green for a three-two with landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, create a food token or a treasure token. I guess the only reason I like it is like give me more lotus petals with with fetch lands, like lotus lotus cobra me. You know, yeah. like and occasionally you get to side into using it as a anti burn card. But I just think there's a lot of ways to abuse this with uh, the land trigger. Mm-hmm. especially with uh you know with like mayhem devil if you're making a bunch of lotus petals and sacking those and dealing your opponent damage and using those petals to you know generate more things that you're sacrificing i could see that being the thing if like a john sack deck in modern is a deck now with like goblin bombardment too um, yeah and also there's like the the three mana one three that you know gives you extra a treasure clue token whenever you make one of these and so, you know, all of a sudden you're tripling up on your tokens. And if you have both of those, like in Urza, you're making a ton, a ton of mana. Then you cast Upheaval. 
maybe that's a deck, but it's also a lot of moving pieces on, you know, creatures. So probably not, but maybe. All right. And then the final cards that we have here are Urban Daggertooth, which I think is a a nothing. I think it's either a nothing or a combo piece. And over a long enough timeline, it'll probably be both. Yeah. And then Verdant Command, I think, is unfortunately a pass. I mean, it's cool to have a command with two that's two mana, but the, the modes are pretty narrow. So we're entering gold card territory. Arcbound Shikari? Pass? Yeah. Pass. Asmore, yeah. Anomar, Decay, Day, Stenak, Yuldakar? Oh my gosh. Good did you, job. Did you wow. actually pronounce that? Yeah. What, what do you mean? Wow. With a name like Stanislav, you think I can't pronounce Asmore, Anomar, Decay, Day, Stenak, Yuldakar? Yeah. Well, I can't pronounce this card, but I think it's pretty good. I think this card, I actually think this card is pretty good too. Yeah. 3-3 three, three Legendary Human Wizard, zero. It's got no mana cost. It's not even a zero. It just doesn't have a mana cost at all. But as long as you've discarded a card this turn, you may pay a red-black hybrid to cast the spell. So kind of functions like a one mana 3-3. Three, three. And when it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a card named the Underworld Cookbook. Reveal it. Put it in your hand. Then shuffle... And then it also has Sacrifice Two Foods. Target creature deals six damage to itself. Yeah, I mean, you can. one thing that you can note is that you can vile this card in with, when your vile has no counters on it. I don't know how many decks are going to want to do that, uh, but that is something. And I, I do think that there's going to be a hollow one deck after MH2 with the Underworld Cookbook and this card kind of enabling that archetype with the new Root Walla 2. Um and I, I think this card is very good. Yeah, I've seen people talking about this on Twitter, being surprised at how good it was, having it in as a fun of, and then playing around with it, and then uh, Invendvine decks and things like that being like, you know what, this is just a really solid card to be able to cast a 3-3 three, three for, for one, and then you go get another discard outlet, and you're kind of off to the races. So I I think this card is a lot better than it looks. Because at first it just looks like a meme, but mm-hmm. I think it's like... I think it's actually a good card. Mm-hmm. For the sake of listener ease, let's just jump right to Underworld Cookbook. We've been yep. talking about a card a little bit. It's referenced on Asmar. Let's read Cookbook. Single color, single generic mana for an artifact. It's got tap, discard a card, create a food token. It also has pay for generic tap, sack the cookbook, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. My prediction is that second mode will never, ever, ever be <laughs> yeah. be activated or very infrequently activated, I guess is what I would say. Because if you're getting to that point, your game is probably over already and you've probably lost. Because I think that these, this card is going to go in decks, like Spike has said, that you know these are going to go in the Vengeviney Hollow One decks where you're trying to put a whole bunch of power on the board fast and win fast. And um, you know it's a one generic mana list discard outlet that you can do over more than one turn maybe it opens up some food synergies in a weird way that might happen but um i think that's the main thing about it is that it's a single mana colorless discard outlet yeah and notably no other car no other modern card is a one mana recurrable discard outlet this is the only one in the whole format and it's also like tutorable with this like powerful legendary creature yeah and that's super important because as we've talked about a bunch of times you know uh, mana lists Sack outlets are really powerful and manalist discard outlets are super powerful as well. And I think being able to drop this on turn one, maybe do a turn one discard and then on turn two, do something like goblin lore and then discard a card with this to play your hollow ones. Like those are, those are powerful things that I think might, might happen. 
So it might not be quite the discard outlet that we were hoping for because it's not super duper powerful, but it seems balanced to me anyway. I'm going to defer to you guys. I agree. I hope so. I hope it's balanced. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Let's go back to gold cards. Karth the lion. I think it's interesting. I'm going to read it. Two black green for a three, five legendary human warrior. When Karth the lion enters the battlefield or a planeswalker you control dies, look at the top seven, seven cards of your library. (laughs) You may reveal a planeswalker card from among them, put it into your hand, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Seven. And it has this other ability. It's okay. Yeah. Planeswalkers, loyalty abilities you activate cost an additional plus one to activate... And the way that works is if you plus a Planeswalker, it just gives it an additional loyalty counter. If you minus a Planeswalker, it gives it one additional loyalty counter. In the net, a zero ability gives you an extra loyalty counter. It, it, It works the way you want it to, basically. So this is the kind of card that I think, along with Ignoble Hierarch and some of the other more expensive, you know, jund colored pieces we have like i think this is the type of thing that might incentivize you to move away from luris because digging seven cards for your liliana or your insect walker i think that's huge well how many planeswalkers do you need to make this consistent like 11 which is doable if you play red and six liliana and the insect walker uh but that, that is a, that's a lot. You know, e- even if it is seven cards, you need to have like 11, 12 to like be consistently seeing a Planeswalker off of it, right? What's consistent? You 50, 50, 75%? Uh, I mean, you, have to, you have to do a, a Frank Carson article, but you probably want to hit like 80% of the time, like a minimum uh, with this card. Like I, I think that if you're if if it doesn't draw you a Planeswalker, it's not a very good card. It's a four mana, three, five that makes your Planeswalkers in play better. And that's, that's pretty win more. If you have a Planeswalker that's not dying... If you're making spending this card to like buff that up, then you know that's good when you're ahead, and it's not going to be very good when you're behind, and that's not the kind of card you want to play as a four mana spell. Mm-hmm. Yep, I was trying to look you up don't a, think... the calculator right now, but I yeah. uh, we can we can pass on that for now. I th- I I feel like it might be a little less than eleven to get it up to eighty percent, but because seven is so many cards, it, mm-hmm. I, I think I think it might be a little less than that, but it's probably no less than nine would be my guess or 10 or nine or eight. So that's still a lot. Yeah. Seems cool. The fact that it can come down on turn three because of that goblin shaman, I think also makes it. It is definitely cool. Definitely cool. So, Hey, I want to bust in here for a second. We're getting close to our time, time limit. Mm -hmm. Okay. There are a few cards. I think I really want to talk to Everett about while we have him tonight, but there's like five cards. I think I would love to get your takes on and Stan, let me know if there's anything else that you're interested in. Are, are they Verdant Catacomb, Arid Mesa? Yeah. What do you think about those? <laughs> <laughs> Best cards ever printed or what? Best cards in modern. Yeah. For sure. So the first one that I was curious about hearing what you had to say about it was General Ferris Rock Rockerick, which is a generic red white for a three one that has hexproof from monocolored it is a legendary creature human soldier whenever you cast a multicolored spell create a four four red and white golem artifact creature token this is another card that i definitely was like what is this what is this limited bomb you know Mm -hmm. and then i saw that both you and shane really liked this card and so i would love to hear um kind of how you're thinking about this did did I did I hear you say hexproof from mono, hexproof from monocolored on the card? I may have uh, missed you. I uh, 
I, I did say it, but we'll point it out. It has hexproof okay, yeah. and monocolor spells, which is a lot of removal, essentially. Y- yeah, yeah, like that's that's most of the removal spells in the format. Yeah. Notably, there is one card that kills this card super efficiently, and that card is Renin Six. Mm-hmm. But this card's really powerful. It dodges a lot of removal. Uh, if you untap with it, this card's insane. And because it dodges most of the removal in the format, you're going to untap with it a lot. I also think that there's going to be a good domain deck with the Scion of Draco and then the, the Green Red Rhino guy. Mm. And I've, I've got a, a draft together that I want to try out. And that deck is also like pretty multicolor heavy. You can maybe play this card in Niv. You can mm-hmm. maybe play this in like a Jeskai uh, deck that's playing like a lot of Helixes and like Prismari commands. And probably not going to be, you know, crazy there, but... The, the, the card is strong, and I, I don't think it ne- you need that much to, to make it work either. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely a doubter. I mean, Shane was talking about throwing it just directly into humans, basically, because so, there's so many multicolor cards oh, that in makes humans a lot of sense, yeah. that you can just kind of, like, go for it. Definitely a card that I, I underestimated, but I think I'm my first impression was very wrong about it. I think the next card I would love to talk to you about for quickly is Territorial Kavu, which is another card that I didn't really think was really anything so it's a red and a green for star star you were just talking about domain this card has domain uh territorial kavu's power and toughness are each equal to the number of basic land types among lands you control whenever territorial kavu attacks choose one discard a card if you do draw a card and the second mode is exile up to one target card from a graveyard yeah i uh i thought this guy was a rhino which is i think what i just said but (laughs) uh i mean what it does the creature type is pretty irrelevant so this card and uh scion of draco uh, both are very, very powerful two drops that you can cast both of them on turn two for their max value if you have Triome and uh, corresponding Shocklands in play. And so I think that there are a few different ways to build this domain aggro deck that's going to come out. You can either play all eight Hierarchs and then on turn one, try to play your Hierarch and then on turn two uh, off of a Shockland, then on turn two, fetch your Triome, play your powerful two drop, or you can say, hey, I'm just going to play no one drops. I'm always going to get a triumph on turn one. Then I'm going to cast my two drop. And uh, that's that's kind of the draft I have because also I'm I'm trying to play Charlotte's Agent and Bloodbraid Elf in that deck. And, and no one drops with those cards make those cards a little bit stronger is something that I'm going to try. But it's possible that the eight Hierarch version is going to be a bit better. Um, time, time will tell, I think. And maybe there's another creative way to build it. Oh, there's also, of course, Tribal Flames as like the third payoff for having all five land types in play, which is two mana, deal X damage, or X is the number of land types you control. So in this deck, it's two mana, deal five damage, which is really, really powerful. Awesome. I loved playing Tribal's, Tribal Flames Zoo back in the day. The first deck that I bought Tarmogoyfs for actually was not Jund. It was for Tribal, Tribal Flames Zoo because I had... I didn't have Jund, I just, but I had all these other fetch lands and stuff. So it can be a powerful deck and be a really fun deck. We'll see how it shakes out with the actual builds. I did see your post on Twitter. It's a cool, it's a cool deck. So I think people should check it out. We'll see where it goes. I wanted to talk to you about Urza's Saga for a second, just because I think that we were kind of, I've I've heard you talk a couple of times about the combo potential of Urza's Saga. And I'm curious to know like what kind of, in combination with uh, Titania, like, how do you see those two things coming together? Because it sounded like you had some some kind of plan around those two cards in your mind. Yeah, I've got a few different drafts and I haven't really settled on how I want to build the deck yet. But the, the main idea is Urza Saga uh, can find you a copy of Zurin Orb, which is a zero mana artifact that allows you to sacrifice a land, gain two life. 
And then uh, if you have that in Titania in play, then you sack all your lands. You have five threes equal to the number of lands, and you're probably going to win the game. And Titania can also get you back your Urza Saga if it dies earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Urza Saga also can get you a copy of Expedition Map, which is going to be good in like this land toolbox deck. Is like the other piece of the puzzle that I found. Uh, one problem is if you build around this Titania orb aspect, you're not really making good use of Urza Saga's ability to make the construct, the token. And th- maybe that's okay. Maybe it's just fine for this to be, you know, added value onto the card. I've also been trying to figure out a way to kind of overlap these two things with Urza, especially because Zurin orb is a mock Sapphire with Urza. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe there's like a Urza Saga Titania uh upheaval deck that exists is something that i've been trying to figure out and i haven't quite put those pieces together yet maybe by the time this has gone live i'll have figured it out and maybe by the time this goes live i figured out the support isn't quite there uh but urza saga doesn't necessarily just have to go in that deck there's lots of lots of other interesting targets for this card like colossus hammer Uh, i think this like it, it getting Colossus Hammer is a big deal, and then also making Constructs in, in maybe a more affinity-focused, uh, aggressive version of Hammer Time could be quite strong as well. Uh, this card also has lots of other interesting targets, like um, Witch's Oven, uh, Underworld Cookbook it can grab as mm-hmm. well, and then there are like value cyborg cards like Pithic Needle, Grafdigger's Cage. Yeah. Cards like that. And I, th- I think the card's really good. I think you're, I'm going to be really tooling a lot with it. It's a super, super powerful card. It's awesome. All right. I got th- two more cards. I promise. Okay. Counterspell. <laughs> Have well, you heard what does that it? card do? Yeah. <laughs> it counters target spell yeah. for two mana. Yeah. And, and, and Spike, how do you use the card like this? Like, what is, what is, <laughs> so, what is it do? So this card is actually only good in one scenario, and that scenario is when your opponent has put a spell on the stack. Okay. That's and helpful. So, so if, if that's happened, you can stop the spell from resolving. And I mean, I think this card's super, super strong. It's going to be a, a format defining card, a control deck defining card. You know, for the longest time, you've had to put Mana Leak in your deck. And Mana Leak got the job done. But it, and in a lot of matchups, it did a great counterspell impression. But against like Titan, against Tron and the Control Mirror as a late game top deck, it was it's it just didn't counter your opponent's spell and you know and that's that's a really big deal in a control deck that's trying to get to the late game and have better top decks than their opponent you always had mana leak which was a really bad late game top deck yep. but that's that's gone and, and counter spell is going to be really really good it's also i think going to be very beatable especially as long as uh veil of summer is in the format but you know maybe those are going to be two cards that can keep each other in check a bit totally Imperial Recruiter is Imperial. Uh, there's probably way too much to talk about with Imperial Recruiter. Yeah, there's there's a lot. I have one question that I would ask you though: mm. Is Imperial Recruiter for combos, or is it for value, or is it for either? Is it just a good card? It's it's either. Okay. Uh, there's no card in Horizons Two that I've been building more deck more more decks around. I have like seven different Imperial Recruiter decks I'm working on. It's it's like actually crazy just how many decks it slots into, how many archetypes it creates, and I, you know, ephemerate based creature ECB decks have been like half of the things I've been working on over the last few months. And so this just like fits in with a lot of things I've been working on recently. And it, just the options are infinite. Do you think it gets kiki there or it can't? Yeah, that's that, that's my I've, big question. Yeah. Yes, personally. It, it can. Uh, I don't think that you it gets kiki in like blue red control. You know, I don't think you just play this to get kiki jiki in like your blue red 
counter spell deck but i do think it can get kiki jiki in like your aether vial deck or your kiki cord deck or something like that yeah maybe you're getting I, uh maybe you're getting the angel rest- restoration angel even instead or, or well whatever. you can't get restoration oh, angel right. with recruiters but you can get feldar guardian right. you can get a deceiver exarch and so i i've got i've got uh like two different kiki jiki exarch decks i've got like two different or three different just like value imperial recruiter decks um uh, it's there's there's a lot of options there's a lot of options awesome all right i promise you the last card which is a lot to talk about again is shardless mm-hmm. agent you yes. are how excited uh, are you about shardless agent getting in modern I'm you think pre- it's I'm good i'm pretty excited I, I think it's good okay. um so one big issue with shardless agent is that fair blue decks and modern just got counterspell and you don't want to play counterspell and shardless agent in the same fair blue deck yeah. that being said shardless agent still goes in some decks one thing i'm really interested to try like the first thing i want to try is a like teamer uh mid-range control deck that plays four shardless for violent outburst and the only thing you can cascade to into is crashing footfalls i think that's better than ancestral vision and you just always want to put those four rhinos into play when you cast shardless agent you also get a 2-2 and when you cast violent outburst you can pump your other rhinos um and then you get to play like fire ice as cheap interaction you get to play bone crusher giant brazen borrower force of negation and subtlety mm-hmm. um i think it's going to be good there I, I also like mentioned it briefly in like the domain tribal flames deck where you're already kind of looking to get triumph on turn one two drop on turn two and so if your deck is like all two drops or like has a huge density of two drops and no one mana spells this card's going to be strong there potentially as well there, it's going to be good in like living index. I, I, you know, the, the big thing I think is that it lets cascade decks be three colors and not have to play uh demonic dread mm-hmm. because that card is really bad because of the targeting. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah. Cause it has to target something for it to do anything. And you know, it's way easier to make a three color mana base than a four color mana base. Um, but I, I do also think you could maybe play this card in like a bant stone blade deck or some fair strategies. But again, the big problem with doing, that is that you lose counterspell to play Charlotte's agent. And I don't think that that's going to be worth the, uh, the exchange. Yeah. Awesome. Ooh. Okay. We did any, it. We made any it more through. last minute ads, Dave. You want to no. shoehorn into the show? No, I'm not. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Everett, as always, thank you so much for being here with us. Of course. We, thank you for having me. We love having you. You give us insights that we wouldn't have ourselves. And I and think this one was the a show marath- better. Yeah. And this one was a marathon. We know. So I'm, I super appreciate it because that was just two hours of wall-to-wall content that we all just well, talked it's, through. It's, uh, it's good for tomorrow's stream to have uh, all this prepped, I think, to talk about. Nice. Heck yeah. That does wrap up this week's show. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. And if you use Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. If you'd like to submit a question to our podcast, you could pick our brain on something in modern other formats you can tweet us at the dive down all one word or email the dive down at gmail.com spike if people want to pick your brain where can they find you uh over at twitch.tv slash aspiring spike or over on twitter or youtube also uh, at aspiring spike cool we'll have links in our show notes of course if you want to support the dive down you can join our patreon over at patreon.com slash the dive down if you'd like to support us while playing magic the gathering all these cool new cards coming out and you can rent them on Mana Traders. If you use coupon code THEDIVEDOWN2021, all one word, you'll get 15% off your first two months of renting Magic Online cards. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Spaceblood for letting us use their music. And until next week, all you Modern Horizons pre-order stands, spend wisely.
the hype is real. There's a lot of money to spend. Some cards will be good. Some cards might be less good. It's okay to be a little patient. Wait until week one, week two, see where prices net out. Once people start opening packs, there's a lot of packs. There's a lot of variants. Beware the hype. The fear of missing out is uh, is scarier than spending more money on a card than you have to. Bye-bye. Bye.